everybody, and welcome to the MinMax Show, a place about games, friends, and getting better. I'm Ben Hansen, joined by Suriel Vasquez. The one and only, That's irreplaceable. Right. That's right. Leo Vader's here as well. What's up? And special guest, Janet Garcia. Welcome, Janet. That's good, y'all. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. Really, really cool. Thank you for being on. Um, you recently left IGN, yes? Yes. To join the whole Patreon scene. Yes, it's oh very exciting. Um, this is actually my second time doing Patreon because I did it back when I freelanced as sort of a one of my many, many verticals of very small income, as <laughs> y'all probably relate if you did that freelance life. Um, but now I'm back and it's just it is my my only thing. Everything is funneled through that. Uh, and it's very exciting. What was the decision to leave IGN like and go back into the Patreon world? Um, really, like with post IGN, it was thinking of, okay, what do I want to do next? And I sort of wrote out the things I wanted in my career and the things I didn't want. And I was like, I think it's best to go independent versus going to another company. Um, it's totally possible that I could have like a really joyous, fulfilling experience at another outlet for sure. Um, and I, there are things I already miss about working at an outlet, like uh, a structure that I don't make myself, <laughs> you know, um, yeah. a, the idea of, a paycheck that is the same every two weeks, uh, you know, all of that stuff, as well as the collaboration, the, the access, all of that awesome stuff that comes with working on an outlet. But um, I sort of just wanted a place to do the stuff that I'm most passionate about and shape that with the community that I am building and already have. And that is kind of what Patreon's all about. It's like, hey, what's your passion project and people that are excited about what you're doing and can feed your ideas and you give them ideas. And it's kind of this, you know, wonderful cycle of creation. Um so yeah, I kind of was like, I just want to be the the gate, the weird game art kid and do my <laughs> own thing and just like not have to worry about things like, I mean, SEO still plays a factor with like naming stuff on Google, right? And YouTube, but it's like not having to think about like, here's where like I rank in this big universal thing. And here's what's going to get the most coverage. And let's make sure we hit this deadline for this one specific reason. Like yeah. I'm still beholden to like obviously deadlines and things with like having the show up at a certain time or like fulfilling things for patrons. But that's a very different workflow than this idea of this giant kind of world audience that you don't always necessarily even have a direct connection with so um those are all the reasons i sort of decided to go with the patreon route yeah um and uh it's it's going it's going well so far it's a lot of work uh, unsurprisingly but um i'm really enjoying it so far yeah don't let yourself get too consumed by it it's it's easy to to zoom in way too far and, and just be obsessed with minutiae <laughs> but i love that idea obviously we're partial to it but i love that idea of knowing the behind the scenes info on IGN and then just taking those lessons after working there for so long and being like, okay, how does that apply to the startup scene? And do you have any thoughts so far just on like lessons? For, I know it's a big question, but just lessons from IGN where you're like, oh, I think I'm going to focus on this type of content. This type of angle works better than others. Um, I think one thing that IGN does, I mean, IGN does a lot of things really well. Um, obviously, reviews play a huge factor. One thing that I really like about how IGN distributes content is having it be on every vertical imaginable. It's yeah. like, okay, the reviews, they're written, they're video, they're on like Snapchat, it's a, it's a square on Instagram, it's like all these other, you know, and I think that gives uh, people a lot of ways to engage with work. I think that's been a big thing that I sort of already had going in, but I think was further solidified via my time at IGN, this idea of giving people options. Um, and that's been the big thing about my Patreon rollout as well. Like, obviously I'm on Patreon, but I'm also on Twitch. I'm also, I have a Ko-Fi, I have a PayPal. I have like, I'm trying to think of all these ways to 
both consume my content and also support me through follows, support me through money, support me through all these other avenues um, so that it can be sort of this choose your own adventure thing where you may, you know, there are people that like me that probably don't even know I have a Patreon, even though I try really hard to make it so that everyone knows that I have one. (laughs) Um, But, you know, whether they're like, oh, I just follow you on Twitch. I didn't realize you had this other thing or I, I can't, I'm here from Facebook. I'm here from this other, you know, avenue because everyone has different things that they're drawn to or they're interested in. You know, some people, probably love my you know triple a hot takes and other people are really into like the weird indie games i play and i'm sure. i'm here for all of that and um you know i'm trying to give out that energy and then and get it back and, and use it to shape more content sweet uh there's a link to your patreon in the description below but do you want to shout it out for anybody who's too lazy to scroll down absolutely always 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 it's <laughs> patreon.com backslash game that's game o-n-y-s-u-s and that is also my handle on literally everything, YouTube, Twitch, Facebook, TikTok, that was my Apple Watch, <laughs> Instagram, um, literally everything, Twitter. Um, so yeah, check it out. Um, offering a bunch of different tiers, um, a lot of different incentives for each one. So sort of pick the one that you think fits. And if none of them fit, I, the Discord's still available publicly. Oh, I'm going to relink that on there with a new link and everything. So, uh, But if you ever need to get in there, just DM me or hit me up on Twitter or whatever. Nice. And Janet, I've been meaning to ask you as well. Um, are you looking forward to go, 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 go gaming in 2021? Oh, absolutely. Always. <laughs> okay, like I, my, this is kind of getting ahead of ourselves, but my goal <laughs> every year is to be an expert on the year. And every Ooh. year I always fall a little short on something, you know, didn't really spend a lot of time with Spirit Spiritfarer, didn't take to the skies in Microsoft Flight Simulator, but that is the dream to like really just be a complete expert on everything AAA, everything indie to yeah. like know the best. And it is always so hard, but I'm excited to do it every year. It's perfect. I'm, I'm with you. And it's nice to be at the starting line for 2021 now. Like, you know, we're just about wrapping up the deepest dive on Cyberpunk 2077. We just posted the big discussion, the Game Club discussion for Act 2 of the game. You can find that on our YouTube channel or on the Patreon exclusive podcast feed. But it is so nice. Like, I feel like that is going to be putting 2020 to rest forever. And now it's just the full open landscape of 2021 in front of me. And I'm totally with you. I have that feeling of like this year, I'm staying on top of every new release. This year, I'm going to be the expert. This year, I can do it. Of course, we're all going to fail miserably. But March that's... comes and you got like 12 games you need to play. Exactly, exactly. But that's what this episode of the, of the Min-Max show is all about. We're going to be breaking out our top five most anticipated games of 2021. Going through the release calendar, trying to figure out what actually is coming out in 2021, where it stacks against other stuff. Um, and then, of course, back after the show, community questions, all that fun stuff. Um, Leo and Surreal... Not hey, getting into specifics up. yet, but like, what was it like? Give me your raw emotions when you opened up that video game release calendar, preferably on Game Informer's side. I think they do a good job for 2021 and saw what's coming up. Uh, I'm surprised at how few dates we actually have for a yeah. lot of stuff. Uh, especially compared to other years, I feel like we had like up until April at least mapped out. And that's kind of the case now, but you definitely see a lot this like enormous list of like, I don't know when we're going to, you know, when we're going to release this because things are kind of up in the air still. Yeah. It feels like the last couple of years that's been the discussions at the start of the year. Like, Oh my God, we don't have dates for anything, but this year in particular seems really, really strange uh, for so a lot of stuff I thought was coming out this year has been delayed. I didn't hear about it. Like Hogwarts legacy might've been on my list, but looking that up, that's out of 2021 now. Is it really? Did they say that? Yeah, that was this morning. Yeah. Oh, wow. I completely missed 2022, it. 2022, maybe. Hey, there you go for the big Hogwarts <laughs> um, legacy. In time for J.K. Rowling's redemption arc. <laughs> <laughs> oh. 
Uh, we have five <laughs> games each that we'll go around and share. We also have uh, the community's picks in the MinMax community Discord. Uh, we had everybody submit their most anticipated games, and so we have a bit of a official hive mind ranking. If y'all think okay. you can handle this. So we have our personal picks, but this is actually the correct answer <laughs> for the top five most anticipated games of 2021. Um, Janet, do you want to kick us off do you want to say what your number five is sure um i'll just i'll just go down the list i think i have a little bit of a of a weird bunch for my top five okay just uh, just start with just start with on... five though don't don't yeah. spoil the rest yet okay all right season oh season oh. interesting yeah right yeah that's right we're, we're getting yeah so um season this was showing off i forgot what showcase it was if anyone remembers feel free to jump in but it's sort of this um, really striking. Um, I think it was Game Awards, actually. Right. It was the first time I saw season. Um, really striking art style, this idea of kind of going around and documenting things. It gives me like heavy, like Apple Arcade vibes, but in a good mm. way, like those gem games. Um, and I really like story experiential stuff. Um, you know, I mentioned wanting to be the, the weird art house kid of, of game content. And that's also, uh, it does color my taste as well. So I'm very interested in in season and what that turns out to be. Yeah, it kind of looks like, it seems like it's picking up some of the themes or vibes. Like it feels like the Valley of the Gods experience that we're probably not going to get from Campo Santo slash Valve at this point. It's like, okay, just a light. It's just like taking photos as well in there. Yeah, it's like it's so it's it's like you're going around it. I think it's documenting lost civilizations or old civilizations was sort of the the pitch, and it just it's very stylized, um, and it looks also kind of soothing. Uh, I, I enjoy games like that, so uh, that's my number five. Yeah, um, not to put you two on the spot and make you the season expert, but do you know the team who's making it? Where where is this talent coming from? Oh, I forgot offhand. And actually, there's a you know, if people are interested, there's a write up that I think I think it was Joe Scrabbles at IGN just did an interview with the developers. But I'm trying to think if I remember offhand. Scavengers um, Studio is their name apparently. Is it okay? Yeah. Do they have anything like prior? Oh my god, do they, they ever? Favorite. <laughs> I forgot the Darwin Project from last year, which was that Little Hunger Games <gasps> Battle Royale, which I actually that's, liked a lot. That's so. That's such a trip. But I kind of you know I feel like thematically. There's definitely like a thread there. Sure. Yeah. That's yeah. interesting. Yeah. What a weird choice, but I love it. Season. Uh, Leo, number five. Wow, us, dude. Get, prepare to be wowed. Mm-hmm. Uh, I maybe stretched a little bit to find five that were confirmed for this year that I was really excited about. My number five is Elite Dangerous Odyssey, the expansion to Elite Dangerous. Wow. Really? Just for the VR That's stuff? Game. Yes. The thing is, though, it's, well, basically Elite Dangerous uh is the spaceship flying game and it's got good vr support and this expansion is the first person shooter element of it where you can actually walk around on the planets and shoot stuff and i've been wanting to get into it forever for the vrness of it but they aren't ready to launch this with vr so it's gonna be like you're flying around in your ship in vr and you get on the planet and then suddenly in vr you're looking at a 2d screen and controlling Mm -hmm. it that way which seems weird but they have cool (laughs) <laughs> all right yeah I, I like the idea of like take off your head like take off the visor your helmet from when you're like piloting and then now you get to experience the world in this different perspective kind of yeah that could be cool but i'm also they have confirmed that it'll be coming later like they just yeah. said they don't want to launch it without the vr part living up to what they want it to be but i'm excited for that experience for sure having tried no man's sky vr but not really being able to get into it i think elite dangerous is maybe offering me something more up my alley as far as just like trading and being immersed in 
a space civilization type of thing. Yeah, that's interesting that No Man's Sky wasn't working for you in VR. It seems like that'd be directly up your alley. Yeah, it's always the pop-in for me. I can't believe how bad the pop-in is in that game. It takes me out of it every second. Especially in VR. It's just constant jump scares all around you. <laughs> right. <laughs> a nightmare. Uh, Serial, you got number five? Yeah, uh, my number five is Ghostwire Tokyo, the oh, yeah. upcoming game from uh, Tango Gameworks, uh, who made uh, The Evil Within and Evil Within 2, which I'm, I'm pretty excited about. I it was weird because we hadn't seen a lot of the game until recently. We just kind of knew conceptually that it's going to be, you know, like yokai in Tokyo and it's going to be very, very like ghost huntery. Um, but now seeing uh, that it's a first person title, I think some people were kind of not super into that. They thought like it was going to be like a third person action game. But I, I like the idea of it being third person, especially like one of my favorite things about cyberpunk was just moving around that city in, you know, first person and getting to take it all in. So I'd like the idea of this being uh, first person and I like the premise. I think that's pretty cool. We don't, I'm ho- kind of hoping it is an open world game because we don't see a lot of open world games in Japan, like uh, that take place literally in Japan. Yeah. What is the premise? <laughs> I forget what's exactly going on in this world. I think it's like, it, it is like the ghosts ha- are like, coming and then there are these gates that i think you can go through and so like there is a lot of like ghost hunting elements in it but they haven't talked a lot about like here's you know here's you who your character is here's what the story of the game is they're they're focusing more on like yeah there are ghosts in tokyo you know like uh they have i think a shot of like someone standing on top of like one of the one of the like the radio towers but uh i'm like the, a lot of the monster designs i think are really cool and i'm if it's just like ghostbusters in japan i think i like <laughs> i'd be totally into that yeah and recently what was that like the ces presentation from sony they uh, spilled the beans on a couple of release dates in like the fine print and it looks like this is coming out in october of 2021 now and it's still a playstation 5 exclusive despite bethesda yeah being absorbed into the giant microsoft monolith i would imagine it'll probably be like a timed exclusive but who knows you know yeah yeah that's a great choice hey surreal great choice man thank you uh my number five is it takes two from Joseph Ferris, the developer of A Way Out, um, I A Way Out was at least interesting. It was an uneven experience, but I enjoyed playing through that game co-op, and I like the idea of taking another approach, iterating on that idea of co-op only gameplay. And so, of course, everybody knows It Takes Two is the story of a divorced couple being turned into toys and having to travel this world together. As the website explains, Leo. Quote, discover a metaphorical merging of gameplay and narrative in a story about getting along. So. Adorable. That's my number four. So oh, it's fantastic. Like such a convenient transition. I loved uh, A Way Out. Like, abs- it's oh, like good. one of my favorite games that I actually would only rate as like an eight. Yes. Um, which is yes. still a good score. But like, I-, I do acknowledge that it's not doing anything super like technologically or gameplay impressive. But I think the sum of its parts is just absolutely lovely it's just this big slew of you know if you haven't played it these mini game experiences that you can have and mini games are one of my favorite things to do in games like that slice of life stuff really is entertaining to me um and and that went so well with the story that they told overall you know without getting into spoilers and i'm really excited to see what does this more romantic relationship look like because um a way out was a lot more um begrudging friendship based you know these two characters coming together and having to yeah, once again, putting two characters who don't want to work together in a situation where they have to work together. But this kind of has a more uh, romantic undertone to it. So I'm curious 
as to that. It's also way more cartoony while A Way Out was like grounded in realism from both like a, a story and artistic standpoint. So yeah. I think this is going to go crazy off the rails because it's like, and, and I love too when you're like a small character in a giant world, like unravel <laughs> right. games like that. Like I just enjoy that shit a lot. So, and we don't have enough platformers. So I'm very excited for what it takes you, uh, turns out to be. Yeah. Like every trailer they reveal is just the variety that they're packing into this game. It, it's almost guaranteeing like, okay, with this game's budget, there's going to be some jank in here, but at least it's going to be an interesting experience. And I'm always looking for these types of games that like, oh, I could play this with my girlfriend. I think this would be a really interesting journey to go through this game together. Um, and it has the same thing that A Way Out had where they call it the Friends Pass, where you, if you buy it, you can give a copy to a friend for free. So you can play online, uh, obviously local you can play, but you can play online together. Um, and apparently it's, cross-gen but not cross-platform for the friends pass uh, but I, i'm so curious to see even like the footage they revealed um some of it's split screen some of it's not and so i'm a sucker for just like that dynamic split screen effect that even like a way yep. out like coming out of different angles different perspectives stuff like that when it's merging together into one screen just i'm almost more curious just about the production of this game and how it's stitched together than i am about playing it but my big warning sign at this point is i think the performances seem fun but in the last trailer, that Book of Love character seems like he's going to be the narrator for the game, and he seems very obnoxious. So I'm bracing yeah. for that. But everything else, I'm really curious about. Yeah, there's always a bit of like that, like cringe humor that can come into games. But I feel like yeah. that'll be relatively minimal. Um, and overall, like I think the writing in a way out was was pretty strong. I don't really remember any moments where I'm like, oh, this feels like these aren't actual people. So yeah. um, I'm optimistic. But yeah, it was it was a little cheesy. It got a little cheese at the end there, but it's got yeah. some cheese, yeah. But that's a March sixteenth. Uh, that one's coming out, so I'm curious to see how that lands. Um, Leo, number four. Here it is. Disco Elysium, the final cut on Switch. Interesting. That is a game I adore so much conceptually, but never finished. And I feel like this will be the perfect format for me to finally do it. So interesting that they're adding full voice acting for everything, and I can't wait to play it with the sound completely off while my girlfriend tries to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> is that what it is? You think like, oh, I couldn't get into it before, but that's because I had to be sitting at a desk. But like, if you're in your bed, handheld with the Switch, that's going to be the spot for it? Yes, it feels like the perfect bedtime game for me, which I've been loving the Switch for lately, is just calmer, chiller experiences. And certainly like reading in bed is something that I've heard people do. <laughs> and I would be on board to do a reading type game in that situation. <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, did you start the other one? Did you get... A decent way into it? Anything like that? Oh, for sure. I'm probably around halfway into it. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, and that was one of your favorite games last year, right? Serial, I guess 2019? Uh, for 2019. It, it was my favorite game of, of last year, uh, or of 2019, because last right. year's out 2020. Um, but yeah, I, I love that game. I think the, the voice acting in that game... It didn't feel crucial to it, but it was always like, oh, this is a special moment because it's voice acted. So I'll be curious to see how that, how everything being voice acted impacts that game. But yeah, a lot of like the voice acting there was, I thought was pretty good. Um, so I'm curious to see how many of those voice actors they get back into the studio for all of it. Um, but I, 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 yeah, I, I love that game. I'm, I'm glad that more people get to play it this year for sure. Yeah. Serial number four, please. I beg of you. My uh, my number four is just a very me game, Guilty Gear Strive, uh, which is hitting in April. Uh, I was a little like after, you know, because this was this game was on my list last year. Uh, 
but you know, like after the pandemic and stuff and, and, and them kind of delaying it, I'm actually more excited about it now than I was before because last year they had, I think it was last year, they had their beta and it was pretty rough. Like I think the actual game part of it was like, was pretty good, but you know, the lobby system needed a ton of work. It was really like not intuitive at all. Um, and I'm not sure that they're going to fix that part of it, but they like recently they've basically all but confirmed that they're adding rollback net code, which makes it a lot better. Um, like the, the lag on that is a lot easier to work around. Um, and like, I think it's kind of reinforced by the fact that they added rollback net code to other guilty gear games, like the, the previous kind of like, uh, X, X, X core R or one of those like what? Much older games. Wait, stop. What was the name of that game? Like Guilty Gear XX Accent Core uh, XX sure Accent Core Accent Core, yeah. Because you like, could say almost uh, anything right now, and I'd be like, yeah, "Sure, that, that one's cool. Uh, Netcode is great." No, uh, but like, yes, they went and added rollback Netcode to that, and then it was like this weird extended beta where they're like, "Hey, we're testing it out," and then they just kept that beta going because like it worked well enough, and people were just, like the the numbers on that game like ballooned because people were looking for fighting games with good Netcode. Uh, and most of the good ones are, weren't from Japan. It was just like my them's fighting herds, Killer Instinct, and Mortal Kombat were like the ones that people were playing. Right. So for them to go back and add that to uh, like a, a like an old school game that people really liked, like and seeing those numbers spike, I'm sure they're like, oh, we should really dedicate ourselves to adding the rollback netcode in here. Um, and I, I've been liking a lot of what they're doing. Okay, I feel like yeah. I ask this with every Arxis game, but on the Dragon Ball Fighters <laughs> spectrum. Where is Guilty Gear Strive? Is it far on the other end, or is it closer than other Guilty Gears have been? What are my odds of getting into this if I really enjoy Dragon Ball Fighters? I think it, it this is closer to Street Fighter for sure. Like I don't think it's going to be like as accessible, but they are making there are they're making enough changes to where their goal is to get everybody kind of on the same baseline again. But you know, like I, they made some systems to ch- uh, changes to systems that I wasn't really on board with. Like a, a lot of the ways they kind of. Uh, changed combos seemed like they're going to make the game harder um but um i think just the look of that game is like the next iteration of that system where it looks better than any other arxis game before it yeah i like a lot of their new characters they're like obviously a lot of the characters are returning but the the two kind of big new characters giovanna and nagoriyuki i think are their names i think look both look like characters that i that i really like so I'm, I'm excited to get into it. I really, really hope that the netcode is good on it because I think that could help it a lot. Like last year, they released uh, Grand Blue Fantasy Versus. That's right, yeah. Uh, right around when the pandemic started. And that game basically, it's still kind of played, but it really got short shrift because the netcode wasn't great and people just couldn't play it locally. So it kind of wasn't, you know, it ended up not doing so great. But um, I mean, I'm hoping that, you know, it getting delayed this far and then kind of being very positive about netcode stuff. I'm hoping that that this ends up being like the like a big new fighting game with really good netcode. So yeah, uh, do you remember if that's that, the case? I'm really excited. Do you remember that time, Cyril, in another life where we went to Arxis for the Dragon Ball Fighters yeah. cover story? That yeah. was weird. Yeah, that's def- that was definitely like the 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 moment where I was like, oh, I shouldn't be here. <laughs> like it definitely felt like the most like uh, the least not like presentable but it seemed like the 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 studio that they just had no plans of having people go there you know it it wasn't like a because it was a very tiny office it was like i think it was two floors right um 
Probably. It, definitely, yeah. it was the most like, yeah, this is just an office building. Like, I don't know. Like, it's not like the huge kind of like campus kind of place or like, because we went to Bandai Namco as well. And that was definitely well, a much gigantic. Like, yeah. Right. And so you go there and it's like this huge, basically like they're making a big show out of the fact that people are working here. Right. Whereas <laughs> the Ar- Arxis is just like, it's, yeah, it's just two office where people, it's like an office where people work. And there's you know, kind of have, like a empty, empty ish storage room. I think some old marketing materials lying around the floor. And then they just had like a bar in the corner. That's my main memory is like oh this is just the weird yeah. party room with an access it's very interesting so it's like it wasn't like yeah it was definitely a lot of a place where like you go there to, you you go there to do a job and people had like a bunch of like <laughs> you know figures and stuff uh on on their uh desks but it, it was definitely like the like uh maybe they didn't like they're not super public facing uh right yeah they're they're yeah. workhorses look at how many games they crank out it's amazing yeah um, but at the same time they kind of made me feel like oh maybe like we it was a weird it was maybe like the most like inside thing of just like oh i'm I'm seeing a part of the industry that i'm normally not supposed to see yeah for sure well hey i'm looking forward to seeing this part of the industry see janet that's what in podcasting you gotta constantly segue <laughs> everything even if it sounds really terrible um anyways yeah no mm-hmm. uh number four for me is a ratchet and clank rift apart uh, oh, are we completely on the same wavelength? We Janet? are the same person. God, <laughs> <laughs> oh my go. God. We've never been in the same room together. Um, <laughs> it is Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart. Like I am now at that point where I am eager to push the limits of my PlayStation 5 and my new TV. Like I want to see what the sucker can do. It's like, remember Leo, like last time you bought a Porsche where it's like, I just want to get out on that open road and just floor it. And I'm waiting for that game. And I think the best we're going to get this year realistically, I mean, there's other games that are going to look good, but for a PlayStation 5 exclusive that we know of so far, it seems like Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart will be the experience of, let's see what, uh, you know, these lack of loading times actually means. And specifically, I'm so curious about what Insomniac will do with the different weapons and gadgets in that game and the DualSense triggers. Like, if you want to show off what those triggers can actually do, this is the game for it. And I, I can't wait to see how weird and funky they make that experience. I still can't get over how I'm literally like, it, lo- it looks like I probably just didn't even prepare anything. I'm like, mine's also this one. <laughs> yeah, my number three, it's Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart. Um, I'm so excited to hear your two and one because I have a bad feeling that they're going to be the same <laughs> as well. <gasps> but um, what I'm looking forward to with this, just to kind of add on to what you've already established, is the idea of this being a little bit more differentiated from the other games in the series. Um, those who have been following me know that, um, well, we'll say that I hate Ratchet and Clank, but that's not actually true. I do <laughs> oh. not hate Ratchet and Clank. But I have fallen off of the series because I feel like all the games lately have been the same. And they're great games. And that's, you know, something certainly to be proud of and maybe even excited about. Like, oh, great platformer. There's not a lot of them that come out. Right. But for me, I feel like all the Ratchet and Clank games have been the same lately. Sure, there's some, like, ever the guy just changed a little bit, but we're going through the same motions. The mechanics don't really have anything that, like, zests them up. And it, it the franchise has just gotten kind of stale for me as someone that played, you know, the first games of that series. I'm like, I feel like once you've played one or two of them, you've kind of played them all. And I think Rift Apart is the first time that I've seen it and gone, this feels like it might have a, enough to really pull me back in with the whole um, jumping between, like, areas or regions or universes. Like, right. I think... I'm a sucker for that in games. Like there are certain mechanics that like, of course are played out to death, but I just love, like I remember playing um, crash um, the most recent crash game. Yeah. And they have that thing where you're like switching like, Oh, like, now this box is visible. Now it's not, that's been done a million times, but damn it. If I don't love it each time, because it's, so it's almost always done well. And it's o- always fun. So I love the idea of, of shifting like that. 
Um, and I think this could be the revitalization that this franchise has kind of needed. It's also like the one of the more recent, like truly new entries, because we have that whole uh, sort of remake off the movie type thing going on. And it was, you know, new, but not really new. So I'm excited. It's like a clean start again, PS5, PS5 exclusive. I feel like it's going to be new in a lot of senses. And that's what um, gets me excited about this as someone who's kind of fallen off of the franchise a bit. Yeah, that's interesting. We're not the same person, it turns out, because I dabbled (laughs) in the old Ratchet and Clanks, but the first one that I finished was the PlayStation 4 remake. And so I'm that newcomer that's like, oh, this is fresh enough for that. I wouldn't have known. I would have literally, (laughs) literally same. Can't tell the difference. I'm Van Hansen. Yeah. (laughs) The the thing I'm looking forward to that game is is you know, depending on when it releases because it's I think in that in that same kind of leak that showed a bunch of like PlayStation or it wasn't a leak it was like a trailer right mm-hmm. um, that that same thing just said 2021 so depending on how early or late in the year it is it's probably going to be end up being like the first major PS5 title that feels like a PS5 game right so I'm excited to see like what they do because uh, we haven't gotten a lot of out of the Dual Sense beyond Astro's Playroom. So I'm curious to see how that kind of like very um, clever implementation of that tech looks like in like a major, you know, like full budget game. I want to feel like the bolts. Yeah. Like when you collect Ooh. the bolts. Like I really hope you can feel that. Like oh I don't know if y'all God. ever played the Luigi's Mansion arcade machine where you have the big vacuum cleaner <laughs> yes, and I you have. can feel like the coins come in. <laughs> Obviously it won't be that crazy because it's not yeah. a giant machine in a Dave and Buster's. But that's kind of I'm hoping to get those levels of nuance because that world is so fun and 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 cheeky and joyous that i i hope they like mess with it a lot um in that sense yeah it's so weird yeah i talk about you know using the dual sense in a big way since astro and what's really coming up surreal like one of the most interesting dual sense experiences i've had so far is actually worms rumble which was playstation plus i think like last month and like the game it's you know uh, real-time worms so take it or leave it but what's interesting is like in those worms games you're just shuffling through all these different weapons and they all are experimenting with the triggers and the pressure you know on the triggers in different ways and i thought that was an interesting example and got me more jazzed up for ratchet and clank just like okay you can get a lot of variety for different funky weapons packed into these triggers anyways uh leo number three number three for me is psychonauts 2 hey oh awesome choice man you're not a big platformer guy no but i love tim shaper's writing and i love psychonauts one so much psychonauts one i have such fond memories in high school i came to it in the xbox 360 era era when their xbox originals program uh original xbox games for 15 dollars a pop yeah. or 800 microsoft points or whatever <laughs> and it was like i i just I've never had any self-control. So the second I would get my allowance, it's like I could save up for three weeks and get a new game or I could just buy the first Xbox original I see <laughs> having no knowledge of it whatsoever. And just a beautiful, sharp game. Just I was just evangelizing it to my friends that whole era. Such a So many clever gameplay and writing things in that game. And playing Rhombus of Ruin recently. Yeah. The VR exclusive Psychonauts game that is pretty important for the lore of the second one, apparently. Uh, that got me excited about it all over again. Still just uh, as funny as ever. Really, really ex- recommend Ramos of Ruin if you can play it. Yeah, I'm looking forward to Psychonauts 2. Definitely looking forward to whatever two-player production the video crew has as well up their sleeves to reveal about the making of Psychonauts 2. I cannot wait. Um, but in the last update, and I think even like in, so, in a recent round of Tim Schafer interviews, it kind of gave me pause of like, I think this game might be further off in 2021 than I would have thought. I, I would have thought it would have been like first quarter or something like that. But uh, I think even just 
today or yesterday, Tim Schafer posted about, ah, I wrote the last bit of dialogue for Psychonauts 2, which that's what was alarming to me is like, they're still writing parts of this. And I guess it's kind of like the end game state that they're working on, but there's still a lot of those little details that kind of give me pause and think like, eh, polishing might take a while for this thing. There is some behind the scenes stuff up already though. I yeah. watched their holiday update video that was very informative and it really cool clips of like, we did a full playthrough on Zoom and we're just commenting on it and they just have clips of that, which is a really cool peek behind the process and also talked about why and how they're uh, no crunch studio. So that's certainly why they're taking their time with it. And I yeah. have nothing but respect for it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there are, there are a couple of little videos and it's one of those things that if somebody cut together every gameplay clip they've shown of Psychonauts 2 it's actually a stunning amount but it's usually like that off screen stuff so it's not as appealing as just a raw trailer but they've shown a surprising amount of that game but it implies it's going to be huge um, yeah. sweet have they mentioned whether or not I think Eric Wolpaw is involved in that game for a while is he still great question it? I don't think he is I remember vaguely there's an interview with Tim Schafer where he was asked about that and it was a little bit like ah. Eh. Uh, not so much, or he might come on at some point and work on it, but that was definitely that early pitch for like the fig crowdfunding thing is we got Eric Wolpaw back. He's been let out of Valve to help out, but I think that's kind of cooled off from what I yeah. remember. Good question though. Uh, number three, Serial? Yeah, th- this is actually coming out uh, pretty soon. Uh, Super Mario 3D World plus Bowser's Fury. Love it. I'm really excited about it, even though it's like a remaster. I feel, I don't know why, but I feel like I have a chip on my shoulder about that game because people don't hold it in as high as regard as they should. Because, you know, yeah. it's sitting at like a 93 on Metacritic. It's not like people didn't like the game. Higher, it, no. Yeah. <laughs> I, like, I will tell you when to stop. It is like secretly one of the unsung Mario games in this weird way to me because like I feel like I love the crap out of this game, like especially in co-op and people are just like, guys, ah, you know, it's like it may as well be as regarded as like a spinoff. It's like, yeah, it's like them kind of building on the, the 3DS game and making it a, a larger game. But it's like it's not Galaxy. It's not a, it's like it's not like a full. You can just Mario. say Dan Reichert. It's mainly Dan Reichert. That no, has I, feel like there are multiple people who are, I feel like he is he's not the only one, but he's definitely like <laughs> maybe the most prominent. But like I do feel like when people rank the 3D Mario games, they almost for, forget about 3D World. Yeah. Uh, but even just seeing the trailer that they released yesterday and seeing like, oh, the expansion pack just looks like one or two worlds from the, like Galaxy because it's not like it's not like the isometrics perspective that they use in the base right. game. Uh, so that makes me just feel like, oh, they just stealth made another uh, another new Mario game in this in this remaster that uses like the the cat suit stuff, which was like the best part of that game. I was so struck by that too in that new Bowser's Fury trailer, where I was like, I need to go back. I love 3D World, but it's like I didn't see, see what people were commenting about the new trailer and stuff. But it certainly, yeah, that was my first moment and realization as well. Is that camera seems so much closer to the point that. Are they not going to have four-player co-op in the Bowser's Fury? Because they show like Bowser Jr. looks like a co-op angle, but are they replacing yeah. it with that? I, I'll be curious to see what they do uh, because it, it, like, from what I saw, like in that trailer, it definitely seemed like it's going to be more one-player oriented, where it feels more objective-based versus oh, get to the level however you can, and there'll be right. like co-op chaos but i do like that you know in the first reveal trailer they showed off like yeah we've made some modifications to the game itself like the base game it's like what four percent faster or something uh like they they've sped it up a little bit so it's like a little a little more fun um but i enjoyed the base game a ton like i I love playing that game co-op especially like i feel like they they pull off what 
I think in the 2D Mario games where you have co-op, it gets a little too chaotic and kind of... Oh, it's of, awful. Um, <laughs> like, the, the two... Like, it's so hard to, like, move at all. Yeah. You spend a lot of time bouncing on people's heads in that yeah, orientation, yeah. which does, doesn't happen in the 3D one at all. Like, they do... They make so many smart choices in 3D World in terms of having a fun co-op experience, especially in a platformer where I feel like a lot of games struggle to replicate that because they make it so accessible. Like if you die, you just, you know, you can just bubble, you can instantly become the bubble if you want. So um, it, it's really supportive of the different levels of player skill you might encounter in any given group of, of friends or family. And I really love that. And I, I cannot believe that I'm buying another game I bought yeah. on Wii U on Switch. It'll get you every <laughs> I'm, time. I'm so tired of being this person. <laughs> I would like to not be this person anymore. I don't know how y'all feel, but like, I'm just, I've bought so many, almost all of them. Almost like I didn't buy Treasure Tracker because like, I don't think it's as good on Switch because the t- you don't got the same touchpad and right, stuff. Right, but, right. Hang on. Are we talking, like, are we talking like emergency Tokyo Mirage session levels of rebuying? It's not that bad. Okay. But all right. That, we would bring you to a hospital. It's just been a lot. I don't know if y'all in the same boat, but like, and I, I would have thought I, I beat that game on, on Wii when mm-hmm. I loved it and I didn't expect to buy it again, but like, I just feel like I'm going to feel left out if I don't buy it again. And it does yeah. look really cool, even yeah. though I didn't do the extra bonus worlds in the base game. So I'm like, not me buying more of the game that I didn't 100%, but here we are. Yeah. yeah and it's, it's, I think my brutal. one concern is, like Kyle mentioned it uh, when they announced, well, right before they were, they showed off that trailer, uh, which is like, are they going to make you beat the entire game again to unlock the Bowser's Fury stuff? And it, right. this actually feels separate enough that they wouldn't do that because it it's it feels like such a different thing that they would just kind of put it off to the side. Cause I definitely don't want to go through champions road again. Cause I get that level is so ridiculously hard. Uh, so I don't want to have to beat that level to unlock the Bowser's Fury stuff, but I'll, I'll still play that game again. I think that game is fantastic. Yeah. I'm looking forward to playing it again. Absolutely. And that's coming out soon. That's within yeah, a month. February. Yeah. February 12th. Yeah. That's, that's wild. All right. My number three, Janet brace yourself. If this is the same, <laughs> we should just switch spots. I think, uh, <laughs> My next one is new Pokemon Snap. No. Okay. 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 (laughs) Okay. New Pokemon Snap. I'm so scared. Oh, I can't (laughs) imagine anything more horrifying. Um, But new Pokemon Snap. uh, They have not given a release date to this, but it is Pokemon's 25th anniversary. So you think they're going to try and lean into that with a lot of releases this year. And the trailer that they revealed, what, in the summer of last year, they labeled it as coming soon. So, you know, you'd imagine that'd be within a year and a half. Uh, I'm looking forward to this game. I definitely have, as a huge fan of that original game, I have a couple reservations. Obviously, it's developed by uh, Bandai Namco this time around, where it's like, okay, they did a great job with Pokken, Pokken. Like, I trust them with the Pokemon license. But still, that trailer looked a little on the more budget end of the spectrum than I would like. And I also feel like people, this is only if you're a big Pokemon Snap fan, but I feel like people should brace for like, it's going to be quite a bit different. I don't think they're going to have the anime connections anymore. I don't think Professor Oak is going to be critiquing your photos this time around. I'm sure they'll come up with some other person or system to score you, but I think there's going to be that disconnect of people wanting it to feel like Pokemon Snap 2, when in reality, it's going to be a reimagining of the Pokemon Snap license. But just imagine how fun it's going to be to jump online when that game comes out and everybody's sharing their silliest photos. It's going to be like a nice communal experience that I'm really looking forward to this year. Hopefully this year. We shall see. Um, And I hope, I know this is insane to say, but I hope they focus on the gameplay. I hope they focus on 
you know, having clever ways to unlock new areas, making it somewhat more complex. I'm sick of them treating Pokemon like these kiddie games. They're for adult people, damn it. Only. Only. I agree. It's interesting to think about what they might do with more modern design sensibilities, because you talk about sharing photos, and that will be the fun of it, but it's like the original one, you kind of all took photos of the same things, right? Everybody, the Pokemon all did the same thing, and you took photos at the right time to get the right thing to happen and i would love to see it be more like systemic and more different experiences for different people yeah if there's some sort of like even community rating system or something like that you know as a way to highlight the best photos i don't know what that would be outside of the meverse or something like that but hopefully can we still print them out at blockbuster i think you can you have to go to that one (laughs) in bend oregon to print it out i think (laughs) it's totally worth it um all right janet number three um wait are we on number three or number Number two two. oh i mean number two (laughs) <laughs> okay, yes, number two. Um, mine is Deathloop. Um, I love, again, we're talking about mechanics that I've seen in a million times that I never get sick of. Um, being able to repeat like runs or moments of runs, uh, whether you because you failed the first time or because you want to do it slightly better is really exciting to me. I'm not much of a like, you know, shooter person, but this is more in that kind of like action adventure vein where you don't have to like be that good at shooting to do it, which is like most games, which is convenient because I'm not I'm not a shooter person. But um, I, I think it's going to be really exciting. I like the um, sort of prospect of just taking out these different people and having these different set pieces in um, a variety of of fairly like nice looking locations. Like I think the art design in this is really cool. Um, yeah, I think it's just going to be a fun, enjoyable, like visually pleasing action game with some solid characters like based on the trailers that i've seen um and again i love i love that loop functionality um i like having that in games like even forza and other like uh, just find seeing ways that you can use it to iterate um on gameplay is really really cool so yeah death loop that's my number two I'm death loop that. is my number two as well time yeah. loops are definitely like my weakness they'll get me in the door on any Pass. project you want me to watch or play <laughs> i'm also interested in the like joining someone else's game as the main antagonist totally and taking them out i really want to see how that plays out i think i might be more interested in that angle actually just to be a little bit of a stinker and also i'm you know terrible at this type of game as well and so i feel like if i jump into somebody's game it's like a blessing like i will just (laughs) shoot all around them it's just gonna be a series of warning shots and then they get to the finish line or however the hell that works and that Um, makes you feel good yeah exactly you just give them a thumbs up before you die before they kill you and you're like hey congratulations (laughs) hang on am i confusing a couple of games am i confusing ghostwire tokyo and death loop like are they both playstation 5 exclusive no they're both bethesda games so yeah, they're, like they're both of the PlayStation Five exclusives. Like Death those Loop's PC too. for sure. Oh, it is. Okay. Yeah, your console exclusives. I think Ghost. I don't know if Ghostwire is on PC, but those those are definitely the two games that people were concerned about. After right, the right. I never bundled them like that, but yeah. Um, number two, Serial. Uh, my number two is Resident Evil Village, oh. also known as Resident Evil Eight. Uh, that the last trailer I I think was a pretty good reminder that like yeah Resident Evil Seven was really good and uh, a really like strong direction for that series to 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 kind of you know go a little smaller and I really like the the way that it kind of refocused a lot of those elements like it it made them feel a little bit more not realistic but like it focused more on like oh let's not have like the giant ritualistic like here's a giant you know. Uh, model of a, of a of a lion or whatever that you have to rearrange and like it was less fanciful than that it was a lot of like you're in a house you're in like a you're kind of in a, in a swamp area 
but like they kind of toned down a lot of those elements and i thought i actually thought the story was pretty interesting um but seeing how they're kind of growing starting from that point and growing it out a little bit more like there are actual monsters um in this one and it feels like it's just going to be a larger area um i'm curious to see whatever the because in that one trip in the like the trailer they released in like september they had this weird part of the trailer that looked like it was like Coraline looking like it felt like a like a yeah yeah like a like a Tim Burton esque cutscene of just like oh I I don't know what that is but I want to see what it is uh, and so I know like the the stories in Resident Evil games have always been like whatever you know but I think them building off of seven I think I'm kind of interested to see what they do how it's related to seven or what it, what is even going on but it also looks really good I'm hoping that it's like the kind of showcase title for those new consoles that people have been looking for. Uh, and yeah, like I'm, I'm, I, it made me want to go replay seven for sure. Yeah. And it seems like what leaks are putting it around April for a launch. Is that right? That, that would definitely be cool. Like if for it to be like one of the early titles, I think Capcom has had a really strong history of having those like really big early titles that kind of dominate conversation in the year. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping, I'm hoping that that's the case because otherwise it might end up getting buried, but yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. I want to, I really want to play it. Yeah, for sure. Uh, my number two is another one that, look, I'm getting a little blurry and messy, but let's assume it's coming out in 2021. Um, Age of Empires 4 uh, is a game that I've been looking forward to since they announced it in 2017. And I went back and on the Game Informer show for our most anticipated games of 2019, I also listed Age of Empires 4. So this is, you know, a fool's errand to assume that it's coming out in 2021. But, you know... They have gone through and made their definitive editions of Age of Empires 1, 2, and 3 at this point. Unless they re-release an HD version of Age of Mythology this year, you would think that with those out of the way, that now they could focus on the the big new push for Age of Empires 4 from Relic, where they're kind of uh, logically, financially logically, going back and kind of looks like a reinvention of Age of Empires 2 in a way, which I think is probably the best-selling Age of Empires, so it makes sense. But I'm very curious what they do with this. I am looking forward to playing a new RTS, and I hope that Microsoft pushes it in a big way and still, you know, I guess, celebrates PC gaming the way they did this last year with Microsoft Flight Simulator. For them to do that one more time with Age of Empires 4, I would love to have a big RTS reunion with a bunch yeah. of folks this year. If, if that ends up happening, it'll be weird that Microsoft has like almost a weird monopoly, like all these very like specialist genres, like the racing game, the flight sim, the real-time strategy game, all these games where it's like, they have like the best in, in, in genre title, but it's just not a large enough audience for it to be like, this is what we're like, this is like our big exclusive, right? It's such a weird thing, position for them to be in. Yeah, exactly. Like we're the champion of the smallest pond, but RTS yeah. lives on. Yeah. <laughs> um, where are we at? Number one? Yeah. All right. Wow us, Janet. 12 minutes because I love time loops, which is another time loop <laughs> game. Yeah. Um, nice. No, no lies detected. But this is like a story experience. Uh, the premise is, uh, I'll just kind of read it from the description. Please. A romantic evening with your wife turns into a violent invasion as a man breaks into your home, accuses your wife of murder and beats you to death only for you to wake up and find yourself stuck in a 12 minute time loop, doomed to relive the same terror again and again. And you sort of have to, um, to find a way out slash discover the truth of what's going on. And um, I love the idea of having the like you're working in generally in the same play space, presumably, I'm not sure if they'll take you to other environments, but sort of seeing it from like different angles from a mechanical and also narrative perspective. It's also um, published by Anna Perner Interactive. And 
almost everything they publish is like I really enjoy yeah. or can at least respect to some degree. Um, there, there have been games they've published where I'm like, nah, I'm not as into it. Like I wasn't, uh, I think they published Kentucky Route Zero, right? Yeah, they mm-hmm. did. Uh, I wasn't as into that game. Uh, Careful, Serial will take a swing at you electronically. So just be careful. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. But um, I'm one, one of the few, right? But uh, but even so, like their their taste, it just sort of really like aligns with mine. So when I saw that it's, uh, you know, being developed by I think uh, Louis Antonio, but the publishers Annapurna, I was like, okay, I'm in. Yeah. I was already in when I saw like the first thing, and I love that too in games when you can. Uh, I'm, I'm sure this happens with you know you guys and, and those in the audience listening. But once you really start to establish your own personal taste, there are certain trailers that you see, and like seconds in, you're just like, you have sold me. When totally. is it coming out? I'm right. I'm down for it. Uh, and 12 minutes definitely did that for me, and that's why it's at the at the height of mine because it's the one I'm most interested to see come out even if it ends up not being you know my favorite of the year but it's mm-hmm. the one that i'm most excited about that's yeah. a chat really backstage past chat is revealing that the cast is includes willem dafoe james mcavoy and daisy ridley too which yeah. i didn't know about. yeah that's great. yeah like in the last Stacked. trailer they just reveal all the voice actors and it's like what what happened to this game since the last time we saw it where suddenly it's just being stacked with amazing talent it's ridiculous yeah, I've, yeah it, someone like, said budget i don't know let's go yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. annapurna's established themselves as like the closest to you know like in the indie space kind of like an a24 which is weird because they they literally have a movies division at annapurna uh yep. but it's like any it, it like they're the closest to being interesting just because it comes from that publisher yep because it feels like they've had they've created such a strong legacy of like being able to really curate what they what they're publishing to where like hey if a game is published by annapurna interactive it almost acts as like a seal of quality in some way yeah right? absolutely jv gualdney will put it on his top 10 list sight unseen <laughs> exactly. that's how it works yeah <laughs> uh sweet uh leo number one number one come on come on it's a man three Whee! i know it comes out in a week but what a wonderful thing <laughs> for the first game coming out and being dropped by their pub- then publisher Square Enix. It was like the future of it was such a mystery. And now we have the complete thing where it's three games in one with 21 levels, which Hitman levels are the hugest, most beautiful levels <laughs> in gaming. And to have 21 of them in one thing. It's going to be smaller than it was before. They've optimized it better, and now it's going to be a smaller package I can more easily keep installed. I'm just so excited to have the hundreds of hours of content that that game is okay, all in one place. Okay, help me out. Hopefully you've been following it closer than I have here. So I buy Hitman 3. Does it then give me the install code for Hitman 1 and 2, or will I buy Hitman 3, and it's just going to be at that main menu, select a level. It's just going to have every level from Hitman 1 and 2. You buy Hitman 3, and you have to also buy Hitman 1 and 2. And when you own those games, you can install them into Hitman 3. So it's like a Rock Band export thing, where it's like you can just take the levels from Hitman 1 and 2 into 3, basically, right? Right, okay. including your progress from 2, but not 1, because of some weird... Oh, weird. Are you into the VR angle for this thing? I wish. It's PSVR only, which oh, I don't have right. and won't have, probably. Oh, that sucks. Well, maybe I hope they're it. being... They have to be quiet for a year or whatever until it comes to PC. But but like the controls are only uh, PS4, PS5 controller, whatever motion controls. You know, you don't use the PS Move controllers. Oh, so really? I assume they would need time anyway to convert it to a other, you know, Oculus style controllers or whatever. Right, right. And unlike a lot of these on the list, uh, you've actually been playing Hitman through. We got an early copy, which is great. Yes, I've only played the first level. 
but it's just as good as I would have hoped it would be. It's like no surprises, but they've nailed how to make a good Hitman level. And now it's like all these levels will be playable in the most modern understanding of how those levels should be. Right. Uh, is the biggest shakeup just that idea of you can unlock shortcuts? I saw people talking about that <laughs> in the Game Informer. I had a video about it. Is that the biggest thing? Or is there another big takeaway for like the highlight features for Hitman 3? First features, that oddly is probably the biggest thing is weird. the persistent shortcuts. And it is weird to have those only on the Hitman 3 levels. You know, they're not adding those to previous levels. But really, it's like, I don't know what improvements I would make. <laughs> it's already perfect. perfect. <laughs> I mean, I imagine a lot of it is just like the level, like they're just getting better at making those levels, right? And so Hitman 3, we just have like, okay, knowing what we know about how to make these giant, like expansive things, like the levels in 3 are probably going to end up being more intricate or more interesting than like even the the levels before it right that's kind of where the excitement is right and certainly the conclusion of the story like the your targets for all of these levels are characters you've been that have been teased throughout the past yeah. two. which is like i i haven't played a ton of the new hitman series but i remember what i did play of it i played a lot of that paris level uh but i remember like thinking that the dialogue surprisingly was like pretty good for like just like when you're found out but they have that you haven't been alerted or just like ambient conversations that you find i remember that stuff being like oh this this doesn't feel like you know these are just kind of like mannequins walking around emoting right it just, it felt a little bit more natural so i like it, it's weird because people don't talk about explicitly the story in hitman games but i totally see myself like since there's not a ton coming out right now, I, I can totally see myself playing through that entire series before oh, wow. you know, the end of the year. Wow. I would love for you to. And it's so weird because because of their various levels of budget, they yeah. had fully animated cinematics that were gorgeous in the first game. And then the second one, they switched to 2D animatics. And now in the third one, they're like, full motion cutscenes are back, but they look worse than the first one because they're all like in it <laughs> yeah. and, and done in, in-house. Uh. And playing all three of those back to back. Again, that is just an example of how it's a miracle we have this game at all. Yeah, I'm totally grateful for it. Uh, And everybody, please check out Leo's latest Watch Later video on our YouTube channel uh, where he breaks the world record for knocking out the most people with banana in Hitman 3. Currently, I think the record is still standing, right, Leo? Yeah. I'm going to hold it for about a week, probably. Cool. Congratulations, yeah. man. You're going to do that run at AGDQ next year, right? Most banana kill. <laughs> banana percent. Yeah. Not fastest, most. Serial <laughs> <laughs> uh, number one? Yeah. Uh, I, I've decided I, I, want to, I, I want to believe. I, I, I want to live oh, in no. a world where the sequel to The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild comes out this year. Yep. <laughs> yep. And that is the game I'm looking forward to most right now. I think uh, I think that's likely. I was scared to put it on my list since they they're so ambiguous about it. But with Zelda's anniversary, like you yeah, think it's going this year, don't, right? Yeah, I think it's, it would be a really good time for them to release some sort of Zelda thing. Uh, <laughs> it's weird because like you hear a lot about rumors about you know why are they why did they release multiple games that are whose availability is ending on the thirty first yeah uh, of March because uh, they have the Fire Emblem game and then the Mario All Stars. And it, it seems to hint like Nintendo is having some sort of thing happening before then or just like whether it's a new switch or a new game or whatever. Um, but I would love for this to be part of their like big plans for 2021 is to say like this game has been four years in the making, uh, like uh, to some degree. Uh, and I like the trailer, I think, takes it in a pretty interesting new direction. Uh, and yeah, I like I it's kind of hard to say like, yeah, Breath of the Wild was amazing and I want more of that. But it's like I don't expect it to be like the kind of 
you know, genre defining or whatever game that Breath of the Wild was. But I just want to play more Breath of the Wild. And they've proven that like they can do some interesting stuff with the story. So I'm, I'm into it for that aspect as well. Yeah, I think odds, if I was a gambling man, I'd say that new Switch Pro that seems beyond heavily rumored at this point is going to be bundled with Breath of the Wild 2, right? Doesn't yeah. that seem like the good one-two punch? I don't even know if, if the Switch Pro is a rumor anymore or just something that we really want and talk about a lot. Like, you know, it's like that weird mix of like, is it rumored or is it just like people are like, it's got to come any second now, any day. Um, I don't know when Breath of the Wild 2 will come out, but in my heart, I want it to come out exactly around the time that Horizon 2 comes out because life's unfair. <laughs> oh, that's that's right. what I want. I want to see time be a flat circle. Like, that is my prediction. And yeah, you love Horizon time two, yeah. Yes, Yeah, my time looks right. <laughs> it all comes back. Um, Horizon 2 is like currently with that window of, of 2021, though. Mm-hmm. I don't, I think that could go either way. Like, I, I, it's not that I think they're lying, but I just, until they have a hard date, I'm not really going to feel like that game's truly coming out um, this year until like that date solidified but i i have a a good bad feeling that it's gonna just be the same thing that we experienced when the first ones of both of those came out and we'll have the same conversations yeah just replay the episodes whatever content you made just <laughs> change the date you know yeah, yeah maybe the, some uh, headlines and just run it back maybe that's why gorilla's like holding back on the date for horizon forbidden west was like let's just see where <laughs> breath of the wild is making its uh nuclear bomb explosion they, here they have a huge like whiteboard that says like release date not zelda it's just that, <laughs> that's, that's their date that's their tentative date yeah but i like in terms because I, I i as much as i love breath of the wild i can t- i can totally see them making improvements to like some of the like i could see them having like this this rundown trailer of like here's what's changed and here are all these minor things that people are like ah that's not like game breaking or whatever but me seeing those lists of like okay climbing is like here's how it's different or here we're gonna make it harder or whatever um i would love to see a list of those changes and that's one of the few games where it's like all that stuff that minor stuff i think would get me super excited about how they're changing that game. yeah and all we really know really so far is kind of tone from that trailer where it seems like it's taking a slightly darker approach and the castle flies and and uh, Zelda has a new haircut, so that's pretty big. That's like the one of the biggest changes in the Zelda series. <laughs> Number one bullet point. Yeah, exactly. Uh, great choice, great choice. Uh, my number one is the new God of War, um, which just the name alone is confusing. People are just calling it God of War Ragnarok. I think it will be called God of War Ragnarok, but the fact that Sony hasn't revealed it yet, I don't know if they're waiting for a splashy trailer or it's still held up in legal, or they're waiting to see... Or they were waiting to see what Assassin's Creed Valhalla was going to be called first. Who knows? But colloquially known as God of War Ragnarok. Um, that is, yeah, my favorite PlayStation 4 game. Well, I Seven Remake, I guess it's confusing it now. But anyways, I love 2018's God of War so much. I can't wait to see where they go with the sequel here. And I, I, I'm really still curious to see who is the new creative director for that game. Like Corey Barlog said he was stepping back and letting somebody else in the studio step up, but that has not been revealed exactly who that would be within the studio. Um, my guess is still, I feel like I've talked about this before, but my guess is still Matt Sophos, who is uh, the narrative director on The Last God of War, and he was also the creative director for Lost Planet 3. Like, he has that experience, and he was so important to that reboot that I'd have to imagine he would be the most likely choice, but who knows? It's odd that that has not really bubbled up at this point yet. Um, but... They left so much on the table. One of the thing I, things I love about God of War 2018 is just how much restraint, restraint it has, just in terms of showing the gods, the pantheon, even exploring the world, explaining the world. Um, and so I'm so curious to see 
based on what they set up in that last game, where it's going in the future, um, specifically with, without spoilers, like Atreus's storyline. I think that is so fascinating. It could go so many different directions. And I'm really curious to see how they stitch everything together. And there's so many fan theories running out there and whether or not they'll say, yep, you're right the whole time, or they're going to zig in a completely different direction. But not to plug our own stuff slash Game Informer stuff, but uh, if you're curious about just the development of that first game and where they're going to go in the sequel, I would recommend uh, we had the writers, not Corey Barlog, but we had uh, the two lead writers for God of War, including Matt Sophos here, uh, on the Game Informer show uh, a couple of years ago. And so if you just look up God of War's writers on what the ending means for the future, it's like a standalone YouTube clip, but it's, it's really enlightening and they didn't do too many interviews and they're pretty open about like, oh, here's why we made this decision with Atreus because we want to pave the road for the next game. Like they're just very open about talking about all the seeds that they had been planting for the next game. So uh, if you don't mind spoilers and you want to jump in there, I think that's a great way to try to get some feel for where that team thinks they're leading things. Um, God of War, everybody. Good game. Yeah. Looking forward to it. Um, all right. We have the community's top five games. Does anybody want to guess right. what number five is? Um, Ratchet and Clank. Wait, let's see. Um, uh, completely wrong, Serial. Ratchet and Clank's number three. Come on, don't be a fool. Oh, Resident sorry. Evil. Ooh. Resident Evil is number four for oh. the community. We're going to guess five. Like, can we last. try to just guess all of them? Like, or can we just, is that, okay, is that here's, what we're doing? Well, we've got two. Yeah, you do have two. I guess, yeah. And is Ratchet, wait, Ratchet and Clank is on there or is it? Ratchet and Clank's number three. Okay. Um, number God of War, is God of War for sure. One, right? God, of, God of War is number one. Horizon's number two. A lot okay. of PlayStation fans here. Number five. Gotham Knights. Nope. Interesting. Okay. Wait, hang on. I'm actually, not done. <laughs> Gotham Knights is number twelve for most anticipated for the community. Oh, that's Zelda on there. Um, is Zelda on here? I think it was a write-in because people because yeah. it wasn't. Yeah, y'all be cheating in. on these, like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, number thirteen though, but still write-in. I think a lot of it has to do the ambiguity of the date. Yeah. So people are like, ah, is it really a 2021 game? Right. Um, number five they is a game. They know what they did. <laughs> <laughs> uh, number five is a game that is probably, poof, I was going to say the most anticipated game out there collectively on the internet, but they haven't confirmed 2021, but widely assumed to be 2021. Unless the writer keeps taking his time, if you know what I mean. Elden Ring. Elden Ring. There we go. What? Okay. Fifth most anticipated. Right. Yeah. Uh, just because I really like that trailer. That trailer. <laughs> yeah. no. Do you all think uh, it's happening? Twenty twenty one. No. People keep pretending we have any reason to think they're even working on it. <laughs> <laughs> They've given us nothing, and we got to start from software. On. Crank stuff out. I still believe yeah. this thing's coming twenty twenty one. I could see that being a short loop though of uh, a short time loop uh, of them announcing it and releasing it pretty like pretty quickly but then also i could see them just being like no we were working on derecina 2 this entire time <laughs> <laughs> please when enjoy was sekiro announced proportionate uh, to its release that's a good question it was at the game awards and it came out 2019 so it probably would have been the game awards 2018 I'd have to, I, I can look that up, but uh, yeah, the, it, the game awards thing was when everyone thought it was Bloodborne 2. Right. And then uh, it ended up coming out 2019. Yeah. But uh, just running the community's list here, I think it's interesting to see their top 10. Number six for the community is Hollow Knight Silk Song. Then Halo Infinite, number seven. Number eight, Mass Effect Legendary Edition, the remaster. Number nine, Deathloop. And number 10 is Monster Hunter Rise. Probably sparked on by your great Cody Hunt stream, Leo. People said, my God, 
Got to get some more of this. Yeah, I want to play just like these guys. <laughs> yes, <laughs> these bros. The Sekiro trailer was 2017 at the Game Awards. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, so it was about a year and a half before it came out. Okay, so we're getting there. 2021 is doable, everybody. Um, but well, what was the, we haven't seen gameplay though, still, right? What was the trailer? The no. logo? Uh, <laughs> did they show gameplay? No, I guess it was just kind of like no. the setting the scene, the mood, the weird hands, and all that stuff. Yeah, and then some details about like some of the gameplay, and you know, like oh, we we worked with uh, George R. R. Martin to create this world that's like very different from Dark Souls. Is it, this isn't Dark Souls Four, but it's going to be more of a RPG than than Sekiro was because people were looking for that after Sekiro wasn't really much of an RPG. Yeah, yeah, and so a lot of those rumors were pointing towards it being more yeah Dark Souls inspired and maybe even open world and horseback riding, all that kind of stuff. So obviously highly anticipated. Um, would you all like to move on to some community questions? Yeah, let's do it. Sure. Let's do it. But before we do that, um, mm-hmm. Leo, do you know how this whole thing operates? I'm taking a wild guess here, and I yeah. hope you don't judge me for getting it wrong. Is okay. it support from our patrons on Patreon? It is lovely support from the Patreon supporters. That's right, at patreon.com slash minmax with two N's. Thank you so much to everybody that supports us. Uh, we have new people that supported us at the Wall of Heroes tier, so you'll see their image on every video that minmax releases there in the middle. So thank you so much for submitting fun photos for us to put up there to show off your pet or your face or anything else you'd like within reason. Um, and thank you to new supporters at the $400 tier, like Beat Now Brian. He says, hey, everyone, you like spelunking, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure, yeah. yeah. Great, like great, great, great. Uh, well, what if I told you that it doesn't have to be confined to dusty old caves and you can instead explore some great new games? Well, then go check out the Spelunkers YouTube channel where community members Tom, Ryan, Tyler, and Chris take a deep dig into some wonderful gems <laughs> such as the Pathless, A Plague Tale Innocence, and they're currently starting out their adventure through The Surge 2. What an interesting choice. Uh, Bean O'Brien says you can join Tom and Tyler in the new series Wasted in Wasteland, where they explore the dangerous world of Wasteland 3, fueled only by their own enthusiasm and alcohol. Lots of alcohol. That's amazing. Interesting. Cool. Thank you so much, Bean O'Brien, for supporting other members of the community. Because that's what a nice guy Bean O'Brien is. is he supports MinMax, and then he, he judo flips it and uses it as a way to elevate other people in the community. So thank you, Bean O'Brien. Also, thank you to our friends at Pretty Good Printing. PrettyGoodPrinting.com slash MinMax is the place to go to see what is available there. Pretty Good Printing is a one-man print shop run by Seth. Uh, you can get stickers, invitations, banners, graphic design, and more. And you can use the promo code MinMax, M-I-N-N-M-A-X, for 10% off everything at Pretty Good Printing. You can also follow them on Instagram at Pretty Good Printing to get a better idea of what they are giving away. Um, and Seth says, it would mean the world to me and my family if you considered using us for anything you might need. So any sort of printing job, use the promo code MINMAX, 10% off at prettygoodprinting.com. Uh, they have wonderful stickers that they would like to give away. Sticker packs to the MinMAX community. And Leo, there's only one way to do that. Do you know what it is? By competing? By competing in, in a brutal sport. showdown of game case trivia so everybody watching us live at the ten dollar backstage past here let's do a round of game case trivia so the first person to guess the name of this game will get a free sticker pack from prettygoodprinting.com are you ready are you ready backstage pass people let me choose a really good game just to make sure that it's just as fair as it can possibly be that's a hint Mm. the game is going to be really good Okay, here Super we go. Super Sunshine. No. <laughs> <laughs> Janet wins the stickers! Yay! No. All right, okay. here we go. 
All right, chat. So just blast out your guesses. A dark future. An uncertain past. No one left to trust. An intense action anime thriller comes to life in blank. As an elite member of the Tech Crimes Task Force, Kanoko is an agent on a mission to fight the evil syndicate. But things are not always as they seem. Kanoko is haunted by unknown demons of her past, and the truth threatens to send her over the edge. Can you master this explosive hybrid of hand to hand combat and cutting edge weaponry to free Kanoko from the evils that surround her? Leo, I know you know this one. No one from the Backstage Pass has guessed it yet. All right, I'll keep going. Um, maybe you've heard that you can explore 17 massive levels of futuristic cityscapes designed by modern architects. <laughs> Interesting. A seamless blend of hand-to-hand and weapon-based combat. The arsenal of weapons includes pistols, rocket launchers, energy, and projectile weapons. Easy-to-learn, hard-to-master fighting system contains secret moves and disarming techniques. This is a game published by Rockstar. <laughs> hmm. Can I give a hint? Um, yes, you can, Leo. I mentioned it in the last episode of the show. And there it is. David Arlene takes it. That is Oni. Bungie's Oni. Congratulations to David Arlene. Uh, we'll get you in touch with Seth, and he will ship out uh, a sticker pack your way. Thank you so much. Yeah, Leo, I thought that was funny. You mentioned it, that was on last week's episode, right? Yeah, we were talking about cheat codes. Oh, that's right. That's why it's fresh in my mind. There it is. Thank you so much, everybody, for competing. We appreciate it. Also, thanks to our dear friends at iM8Bit. They want everybody to know that at their wonderful online store, you can get a physical edition of Grindstone. Uh, one of our favorite games from Apple Arcade is now available on Switch uh, from Capybara. Um, but Grindstone is available on Switch. You can get the physical edition from iM8Bit's online store. And it is an exclusive edition with a custom color six crayon set. Now, Serial, I'm looking at your face and you look to be mm-hmm. a person wondering, what would you ever need crayons for with a physical edition of a video game? Yeah, why, why would you ever need crayons with a physical edition of a game? Let me tell you why. Because this version of Grindstone for the Switch has the world's first reversible coloring cover sheet. So it's yeah. a reversible cover that you flip uh. around and you can design your own <laughs> grindstone cover for the Switch with these crayons. It's awesome. It has original ist- illustrations by Nuri Durr and it's region free. And also on their store, they have the vinyl soundtrack for Grindstone as well, uh, including a oh, Georgie Blue and Creep Blood Splatter Vinyl Gateful Jacket covered in spot varnished guts. And then they put in parentheses, seriously. So please check out uh, iMapit's online store and you can use the promo code MAXNEWYEAR for 10% off everything under $100 in their store. Thank you so much to iMapit and uh, check out Grindstone on Switch. It's an awesome game on an awesome new platform. All right, we're going to read off a bunch of community questions. We're going to choose our absolute number one favorite community question and then that person is going to win the What the Golf vinyl soundtrack from iMapit. They're going to ship that out to people because they're so kind. So you can check out the What the Golf vinyl soundtrack and iMapit store. You ready to dive into these community questions? Or, Sir and Leo, are you feeling a little bit too cowardly? I'm too scared. I'm uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a known coward. Okay, well, that's understandable. Well, uh, do you two want to clap out at exactly the same time? No questions asked? 
Well, we can certainly try. Okay. We're do it just now, just like this. Here we go. Hey, <laughs> Anna Diaz and Jeff Margiafava. Perfectly in sync. I assume you two were yeah laughing yeah. in the other dimension before you swapped in, mm -hmm. but thank you for being mm -hmm. here. Um, I hope you're ready to go through these community questions and to keep track of the best question. Please don't forget it. Got my, my pen and paper. Perfect. Right and she's showing that off for the audio listeners by just ramming one of her <laughs> fingers into her hand. It's very weird. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, uh, Daniel Montes submits a comment on Patreon and says, what's up, crew? You know, hey! Hi! Hi, Daniel. Uh, what games do you refuse to play, both video and board game? I refuse to play Fortnite because just not my bag. I also refuse to play Monopoly. I am to blame for my Monopoly hate. I just end up trolling the game and it becomes a mini game for me, claiming one of each property as fast as possible to prevent any Monopolies. Uh, I'm the worst. The only tol tolerable version of Monopoly is Monopoly Deal. That is true. Monopoly Deal is actually a, a super solid, simple card game. Um, the games you refuse to play, what comes to mind for folks? Monopoly. Monopoly, <laughs> for one. That's what I wrote down. But then also Risk. Like, there are... Yeah. I feel like I grew up with a bunch of bad board games, and they're no longer bad, but I have a chip on my shoulder because yeah. of the bad board games I grew up with. I, risk yep. is good. I... I'm a Monopoly defender, but if somebody was really excited to play Monopoly in my house, I would be a little bit bummed out about it. Like, I'm not eager to play that game anymore. Yep. What you said, Anna, I think is true of our entire generation. And probably, I guess we're probably in different generations. So maybe multiple Wait, generations. generations of, it's fans time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like those were the only games for a very long time. And when you're a kid, you have fun no matter what you're doing, but it has completely ballooned into a completely different, whole different area and genre. I remember one time, Hanson, uh, at Game Informer, I had pitched Andy on doing like a roundup of digital board games. And he was like, wait, I don't know what, you're going to put Monopoly in, in, the, in our <laughs> magazine? And I was like, Andy, I would never put fucking Monopoly in our magazine. How dare you think that? That doesn't sound like Andy to go Is for Monopoly the Is Monopoly the Fortnite of board games? Like, it's a terrible oh. headline, but like, it, um, <laughs> for me, like, I'm, I'm kind of new to the board game scene. I'm trying to be more open-minded to it because... The idea of doing something that doesn't involve a screen is highly yeah. appealing to me. <laughs> so I'm trying to get into it. But for me, anything that has a really convoluted instruction set is mm. I'm instantly just also something like or that just seems like it's really long. So Settlers of Catan or any of those like larger experiences. Yeah, um, I wouldn't say never, but definitely way on the low end of my list. I'm like, let me first figure out what the hell the rules to Munchkin are. Because I like the game, but I forget the rules every time I play. And every game is me relearning for 30 minutes. So yeah, um, I'm on, with the, you. on the gameplay front too, like uh, Souls Likes, they just seem yeah. really intimidating to me. And I've been putting it off, even though everyone that follows me is like, because everyone loves to see people play those games because they want to see you struggle. They like yes. want to witness the pain. And I'm like, I don't want to be in pain. I don't think so. <laughs> so I've been putting that I don't off. think. <laughs> question mark? You haven't tried it. <laughs> it was the last time you stubbed your toe. It's pretty sweet. You'd love Bloodborne. Um, uh, question for for the other hosts. Um, is Monopoly the Souls-like of board games? Yeah. Is Monopoly, the, <laughs> is Monopoly Fortnite Souls? Is Fortnite Monopoly Souls the game of the year? Right, for right. Hang on. So, yeah. Does anybody want to gamble? Game of the year for that is gamble? True. Did you ask? Do you? Yeah, are you into gambling? <laughs> no. Do you want to gamble? Is there a Dark Souls Monopoly official 
mm. release. Does it exist? Ooh. I'm going to say no. Yeah, Not I'm yet. also going to say no. Um, hang on. Give it another year. Monopoly's behind the curve, I think. I guess Monopoly's more akin maybe to Funko Pops in terms of like how, it, it, being iterative and yeah. having like all these different unique sets. Yeah. It's absurd. Uh, it looks like no, there's fan mock-ups, but there is the Dark Souls board game. And actually, there, the Bloodborne tabletop game I just played once, but was surprisingly solid. I don't know if you've played much of that, Jeff. Um, I haven't, no, but I I have heard surprisingly good things about that. There, there are a couple uh, video game adaptations into board games that it seems like the the companies behind them know what they're doing in terms of getting someone smart to design those <laughs> games. It's not it's not it's it's not the way that it works the other way where people just license out the worst crap to make video games out of, I guess, the developers. <laughs> the developers care more. What? Are you saying game. Are you saying that the developers of the Pokemon Monopoly didn't care about... Well, you know, about their sound funds. Although, Anna, I think we talked about it briefly like mm-hmm. in Slack a while ago, but there is the Pokemon tabletop game from the late 90s called Master Trainer, which I think legitimately is a really clever, good implementation of Pokemon into a tabletop game. And it's very popular on the tabletop simulator scene if you want to get into that. But uh, for me, um, I refuse to play cribbage um, because my family, specifically my dad, is really into cribbage. And this is my my fun, uh, you know, father issues is he also like designs cribbage boards out of wood, which are very beautifully carved and all this stuff. So I've just been surrounded by cribbage my entire life. And him trying to get me into it at a young age was a mistake because I hate math. And with cribbage, it's a lot of 15-2, 15-4, and a pair for six. There's too much adding. I can't keep track of it. There were numbers involved, so I immediately hated it as a kid, and now I'm stubborn. Way too stubborn still today, but maybe someday. That surprised me because I was going to say, I'm like, that is the – it's like a very – maybe it's not Minnesotan. I don't know. Oh, it, I was is. Say, it super is. Yeah, yeah is it? right? It is. Okay, I'm not making that up. Um, that's yeah. such a Minnesotan game, so – Sad to hear that. <laughs> well, look, there's room to grow. Maybe at some point we can stream a game of cribbage or something once we can get all your, that together. One of your better quest missions for a month is oh. to play cribbage with your dad. Yes, yes. Oh, that's a very good idea. That. Right now I'm uh, learning to read Katakana, Jeffum. Oh, nice. And uh, just yesterday I started with like a bunch of different apps and I made flashcards for myself and I'm halfway through the alphabet and it's like, this is totally doable. Like it's, it yeah. turns out it's easier than you think to learn to read katakana, which Jeff, you know, Japanese, can you explain what katakana is? It's yeah, confusing. katakana is, is basically they have their own language. Well, like an alphabet, but just for foreign words. Right. So, so Japanese words are written in hiragana. Um, but with katakana, it's easy to, it's easy to learn the symbols and then you can basically just kind of, phonetically mouth out what the words are once you know that and so that's a that's a good good easy you know like attainable goal for that yes and you know next time i go to japan i feel like it will help with so many signs and just at restaurants Mm -hmm. or even like playing yakuza being able to read signs in the background that are in kanakana i'm looking forward to that so much and like it's surprisingly fun we'll talk about it more in better quest our show about getting better available on youtube everybody check it out please with jeff (laughs) cork but um yeah with that then it's so fun because you learn to read the symbols and then you can sound it out. Then you have to try and figure out like, what is this word in English? Even just like the simpler stuff where it's like, okay, I'm pronouncing the word. It's Aisu. Aisu. What is it? Oh, that's ice cream. Okay. Got it. Or like, mm-hmm. I won't be able to say it, but in one of my apps is giving me a pop quiz and I'm sounding out the word 
hang on, let me see if I can actually pull this out because it is so fun to say. And it just becomes like this other layer of a trivia game to try and figure out what is this word? Okay, the word through katakana is takisasu. Takisasu. Jeff, do you have any idea what that would be? Takisasu. Texas? That's Texas. Way to go, Jeff. Um, Yeah, very impressive. So it's super fun and not that hard. So I recommend it to everybody. Um, Anna, how's your Better Quest goal this month going of limiting social media? Uh Uh-huh. She's smirking. Um, How's your goal of muting your mic going, Anna? Wait, is it muted? Okay, now now it's coming through. Now it's coming through. (laughs) I'm back. I'm back, baby. Um, (laughs) um, My goal is going not well. Oh. <laughs> Classic January. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, do you know to what be- happened? What happened? The world exploded? Yeah. Uh-huh. Exploded. No, I just, I don't know. I'm just like, I'm waiting for like a specific DM on Twitter. Mm. And it's like actually important that I respond to it. Right. Um, And I'm, so so I haven't taken it off my phone. Oh. Um uh. and I also forgot to delete TikTok off my phone. But it <laughs> said <laughs> so there's been no progress. Perfect. But but how horrible I've how my my social media consumption the past couple of days has been so bad that I'm even more inspired to actually fulfill my goal. Janet, some context. And Jeff, um, you don't know this. I set a goal. Ben pushed me to set a social media goal for 12 minutes a day. Uh, mm, that seems... Uh, 12 minutes. My number one anticipated game of the year, 12 minutes. Yeah, exactly. So you're 12 minutes instead of stuck in a time loop, just That's checking Twitter. That's so short. It's so short, right? I was like, yeah, 30 minutes seems like a pretty solid goal like attainable probably still be really hard and ben's like on air he's like i think you could push it to 12 minutes i think i have mine at eight or ten it's it's not unreasonable and then it's not it's not but i understand the dm thing can't you set up to get a notification like an email notification when you get a dm Oh, that's a good point. All right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There's hope for you. We're not looking for solutions here. We're just looking to complain. No, I <laughs> yeah, see. I see. Like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> just, I, I, I feel like there should be an exception, though, in like extraordinary situations, like, you know, when the government loses control yes. of the capital. Then yes. Like, right. Yes. We spend yes. more time checking in on what's, yes. what's happening. I hear or, you. Yeah. Or when, you know, Katy Perry announces a collaboration with Pokemon. That's right. <laughs> Something <laughs> yeah, you have to be aware of. The FBI is also looking into that. <laughs> Wait, did that actually happen? Yeah, that happened. Yeah. Today. What is what is the collaboration? Um. So okay, so you know, big anniversary year for Pokemon this year. Um, I keep it's it's twenty five. Yep. Yes, I know because because my age. So it's <laughs> they're celebrating twenty five years. Um. And part of what they're doing, they announced today, is that, like, I think they're going to be, like, releasing some music, some Pokemon-inspired music tracks with Katy Perry, um, which has solidified my theory that Katy Perry is the most gaming-friendly musical celebrity. Wow. Mm. What about Beyonce and her DS commercial? Yeah, come on. Oh, that's a good point. I, You know, I was just basing this off of, I've been playing a ton of Just Dance, and, like, Katy Perry is all over Just Dance. I'm like, oh, she just, like... (laughs) Must just like give away her songs. <laughs> Rich McLaughlin uh, in the backstage pass chat, he says, I kissed a squirtle. 
Which no, no, no. apparently no. I'm sorry, no, Rich. I'm not into uh, that's that not, genre of Pokemon yeah, that's conversation. Not a thing. Okay. There's always not that kind of podcast. Like, what if we? What if we just had this chat? I'm like, mm. <laughs> that's why you need to keep it at 12 minutes a day. Yeah, it'll that's just, smart. It'll just run wild, but that's really cool. You know what yeah. she should do? Realistically, I, I've been screaming about this for a long time. I think some people have done it, but more in like the fan side of things. But I still think all pop stars, every pop star listening to this podcast, should go back and mine the. What's what I'm looking for? Earworms from video game history for like the choruses of their pop songs. Like imagine okay. if Katy Perry was like okay, taking fine. like the fine. trainer theme from Pokemon Red and Blue and using that as the hook for fine. her song. Yes, please. You know what? The TikTokers are already doing this. You'll find I know you'll not- find every elite Pokemon theme being remixed and like going viral. You find stuff from like you know, kind of cult hits like Earthbound. You find stuff from Undertale. Like that platform is a video games driven like community. Like there are so many popular games inspired sounds. Like it, right now, one of the most popular sounds right now is the desert Mario theme with a fart added into <laughs> it. Like, you cannot get better than that. <laughs> the, the, Mario Kart, uh, the Mario Kart like racing uh, one, like the countdown. That, right yeah. that, that was a huge one. Yeah, that one's really big. Um, there are so many, like there are too many to list. Well, that's yeah, fine, but I just want... I just want, you know, some pop star to make a lot of money off of Anna. Not a, none of this indie sweet little remix scene. <laughs> I want somebody to go indie. big. I want like a, some song with a video yeah, we're game. Yeah, corporate here. Oh, yeah, here, exactly. Here, Ben, this is for you. Yeah. Um, was it? There's the DJ um, Zed. Uh, he did a bunch of like Zelda remixes, and he's pretty popular, right? He's See, not like. Yeah, he's not like. I get it. There's fun remixes out there. I'm just saying, on a big level, I want Taylor Swift. Oh, okay. To, to take Woodman stage from Mega Man 2 and do something <laughs> with how hooky that song is. And okay. I won't stop until it happens. Okay. Anyways, um, Swiftman? Anyways, uh, Doreen Clyer writes in and says, Hey, CLCs, this question is for Janet. Uh, what was an experience that you had from working at IGN that other people might not expect? Oh, man. It's a good Big um, one. That other people might not expect... It depends on what, who the other people are. If we're thinking like mass audience, I think, you know, working is something that people don't expect, right? Like the day in, day out grind of stuff. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think there's anything like too incredibly shocking, honestly. I think a lot of, um, I think Serial Club is the one that is uh, maybe the like one of the weirder fringe things. It has nothing to do with gaming, but like we had different things in the office and like one of them was serial club with like the people from the product engineering side and it'd be like once a week we'd come together in the kitchen and eat weird cereals like the sour patch kids cereal and then we'd we'd rate them and we'd put them in a spreadsheet and then you could have like okay this is your highest lowest here's the average data like i think things like that like little slice of life stuff um another one was um we have this closet that isn't nearly as mythical as people describe it. Cause I'm like, that closet's not that interesting. It's like got some old uh, kind of like PR stuff in it. And one of them was like the um, gun thing from half-life and it had a label on it that said, don't open until for half-life, half-life two, yeah. don't open until half-life three. And this is right when Alex was coming out. So oh, and it was one of those moments of like, Oh, you know, like, like it's happening. It's finally time to like open this product up that we were supposed to do for a giveaway like 20 years ago and never did. <laughs> um, so I think little cutesy stuff like that, um, because for the most part, I mean, I've had really cool moments at IGN, like, um, the getting to interview uh, Masuda and Omori was like phenomenal, but that's not really an unexpected thing. That's kind of like, I think more run of the mill, but I, I think the little slice of life stuff is uh, the stuff that could maybe 
surprise some people. Um, but other than that, it's a lot of just the day in, day out work of, of getting things done. Yeah. Uh, just to hand in my gamer card, Masuda Nomore, who is that? Oh, um, sorry. Masuda and Omori Pokemon. Oh, okay. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. Oh, awesome. Uh, how's your chat with them? Oh, it was wonderful. Um, I got to, I asked real questions and then a lot of stupid ones at the end. Yeah. That I was very excited we had time for. Um, stuff like, Gee, oh, why does Nurse Joy um, say, I hope to see you again if she only sees you when you're hurt? Uh, mm. The answer being, I think she just likes the player. Like, she's not excited <laughs> that they're injured <laughs> and things like that. Um, yeah, just goofy questions that, they you know, get, they must you dream get, of asking when you're a kid. Totally. I totally get it. Yeah, they must have so much of that. Like, we got to visit Game Freak twice, which was awesome. And I think the first visit when Kyle and I went, we asked, like, yeah, is there anything they're just sick of talking about or really don't want to do and the messaging came back from game freak like don't ask that crap about just like what does a far-fetched taste like like we're so sick of like what if it was pokemon but like dark and morbid and it's like i can't imagine those guys just dealing with those questions all the always time always having to which one would you eat like yes yeah, exactly that's Anyways, uh, Ryan Foshi submits a comment on Patreon saying, Howdy, Ben and the Minotaurs. Two ends. Sure, hello. Um, he says, Well, I did it. I finally scaled one of the biggest metaphorical mountains on my backlog. Final Fantasy VII, the original. I rolled credits a couple weeks ago, and to be quite honest, that world and its story and characters have basically infected my mind. I was actually able to remove myself from the present and imagine what it would be like to experience the game right when it came out. On top of that, I love the relevancy of the game and the themes. The bottom line is that I find myself really wanting to dive deeper into that world, but I'm not sure where I should go next. Should I jump immediately into the remake? Are there any good podcast articles or other supplemental material that make a companion piece to the game slash explore the history of its development? Basically, I want to ravenously consume anything and everything Final Fantasy VII. P.S. Red 13 is truly the bestest boy. Interesting. Um, Anna, you melted my heart last Wednesday. Like, right when we got done recording the podcast, I was playing Tetris on my Switch, and then I got a notification that Anna is now playing Final Fantasy VII. I was like, yes, I can't believe you actually did it. Yeah, yeah, no, I um, am very serious. I have a, I'm committed to the Final Fantasy VII. Um, lifestyle. Lifestyle, yeah. I um, have already played through, like, the Midgar section, and I'm just sort of sitting for a bit um as i think about what i want to do i'm i'm gonna play through it i think um yeah but i was just blown away i was like oh this is for me it was easy to pick up seven because i was like oh yeah i'm just like breezing through this you know because the remake uh builds out every section like so much and right you know it did actually make me really appreciate the remake because like some people were like oh it's too long but i felt like i got so much um, I got a lot out of spending that extra time with those characters. And I just like Cloud in the remake so much more than I do in the original, I'd say. There's not He's much kind there. of an <laughs> in like the original one. Um, yeah, and it's got to be bizarre going back to the original and being like, wait, people were attached to Jesse? She has like seven mm-hmm. lines of dialogue. Like, There's really mm-hmm. not much to work with there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. And it just showed like I actually it's it's really you know, um, making me think about like, those were really thoughtful, really great sort of, um, improvements on the original. Um, but yeah, I mean, I was, of course I was committed. I messaged you asking you if I should play crisis core and now, you know, square, right. Trademarked those two. Yeah. Um, so they trademarked the first soldier and ever crisis, which is confusing what that is, but you know, some fans have pointed out that with the final Fantasy seven compilation, 
um, they had a very silly naming structure for it where it was AC, BC, CC, DC. So this is very dumb, but it's Advent Children, then Before Crisis, then Crisis Core, then mm. of course Dirge of Cerberus. We stand a legend. Um, and so people are like, oh, so is Ever Crisis going to be technically in the compilation of Final Fantasy VII, which I believe at some point Square even messaged that they considered the remake to be part of that compilation as well. So maybe that's just going to be the name for the version that comes to PC and Xbox is okay. Final Fantasy VII Remake Ever Crisis. Or okay. maybe it's going to be DLC or a new standalone experience where they're taking... No spoilers, but they're taking a certain character from Final Fantasy VII and showing like their journey through Midgar, which would be really interesting. Um, so I don't know what that could possibly be, but but the brain rot is real. I support okay. this community member, um, Ryan. Yeah, I don't know. My whole thing is I just like go and I Google and I read as much as I can. Um, <laughs> and I also like to participate in fandom, so I'll just like go and see like. Like, I'll just go and read as much as I can or look at, like, fun edits. And so, like, or, like, look at fan art. Mm -hmm. um, and that has, like, really scratched that itch for me. Um, I mean, for Ryan's point of view, the fact that he hasn't played through Remake is absurd. Yeah, like, that yeah. Is he absolutely should definitely play through. Which yeah, he should that's, go like, to. the next step. Yeah. And then if you want to be hardcore and absorb all the Final Fantasy VII stuff, they have, they released books that were written by Nojima, I believe, um, and then translated, but a lot of them are, are on YouTube and it's on the way to a smile. So mm. if you want like, I guess this is Final Fantasy VII spoiler stuff, but they have like, <laughs> I just remember one that stands out where it's the point of view of somebody that is dead and in the life stream. And like from their perspective, looking out on what they're seeing within the life stream and interacting with other entities. It's just like some weird trippy stuff. I wish uh, you could tell me who it is. Cause I'm really curious. <laughs> <laughs> I guess we can talk about it later. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, I would definitely check that out. If you want to get uh, hardcore as well, you can check out the deepest dive from MinMax, our community game club for the Final Fantasy VII remake, or we did a game club for all of the original Final Fantasy VII back at Game Informer. So you can check that out as well. It's on the YouTube channel, I believe for Game Informer. Um, it, it seems silly, but even before you play the remake, you should probably watch the movie Advent Children as well. Because sadly, it seems like it's more relevant than we would all like to believe. And there's fun scenes in that movie, you know. And you can check out playing, the... Playing Final Fantasy VII Remake without having played any of the other ones was definitely a dream that I oh, went on. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. No, I was, was in the weird. same situation. It was, it was my first experience with it. Yeah, it definitely like hits completely differently. So it's always interesting to have those different perspectives. I think, though, one thing... so. I worked on the guide for Final Fantasy VII Remake. Oh, wow. And I, I intended to play the original before, but I just I downloaded it and never played it, and then I had to do the guide. But when I was doing some research on the game before, and I, I came across Final Fantasy VII in Oral History by Matt Leone yep. over at Polygon. Mm -hmm. um, that article is just so fantastic. Uh, the blurb, the kind of pitch of it is, an inside look at the creation and fallout of Square's industry-defining role-playing game as told by those who were there. It's super fascinating. It contextualizes a lot of things um, in terms of how that what the re reception or perception of the the game and those characters were at the time that it came out and i think it also brings to light some of like the criticism some people may have of the game in, in the modern era in terms of how like certain characters are portrayed like they dig into uh barrett and like how he's sort of a, a, a bit of a caricature and what that looked like at the time and yeah. why that was shaped this way and has all these amazing quotes it's just such a fantastic 
recently written article. Um, I gained a lot from it reading it. Even if you aren't into Final Fantasy VII, I think it's just honestly a fantastic good, read. Yeah. So if you are like, I'm, you know, why want more of this? I think that's a great um, piece to look at, especially as someone who played it in that modern era and, and didn't get to have that context. Now you can have it through that article. Right. Yeah. And it, it definitely focuses on like the business side quite a bit, which yeah. is which is great. And there, but there's one bit that I loved. I believe it's in that article where it's Nomura and Katase and they're kind of reflecting on different paths they were going to go with the story. And uh, without spoiling anything again, um, there's a scene towards the end of Final Fantasy VII where you go back to Midgar and I forget who it was, but I think it was Nomura talking to Katase and saying like, yeah, do you remember originally we had everybody parachute into Midgar and everybody except for Tifa and Barrett and Cloud died as they were parachuting down. It's like, what? I don't think that was the case. Like, yep, yeah, that was absolutely your pitch. And we had to talk you away from that. So it's just fun to see all these weird paths they could have gone down. Cause that would have been the worst ending to final fantasy seven. Everybody dies in a parachuting accident. Anyways. Um, yeah. Anna, are you sure so you're going to keep going with the base game? Oh yeah. Yeah, I am. I mean, everyone, every time I tweet about this anxiety of spoiling a game that hasn't come out yet, i.e. like the next version of the seven remake. Yeah. Um, people are kind of assured me that they think the story's in going in different ways or I'll still sort of have a fresh experience with that because playing through, I am happy that I played the remake first. Hmm. So Yeah. Uh, um, okay. Sorry, Jeff. I'm enough Final Fantasy seven talk. Yeah. We'll move on. <laughs> so I, I feel uh, like I feel so bad because like uh Ben and I take over so many conversations <laughs> with Final Fantasy now. It's alright. I think them it, it was like my third game on my top ten list. So <laughs> Okay, good, good. <laughs> uh hey, Woj Jed writes in and says, Hey cohorts, with GameCast be uh, Game Pass becoming popular. Can you see companies releasing shorter gaming experiences and not adding so much fluff? I'm looking at you, Assassin's Creed, because hitting an hour mark may not be as important anymore. Can you see a shift to creating experiences that last five to 10 hours instead of 100 hours? As I get older, I find that I have less time to game and prefer shorter, more condensed experiences. Where do you stand on this? Jeff, this seems like your cup of tea. I don't know that Game Pass would affect that. I, I don't I guess I don't understand why it would either, because if anything, if you're if you're a publisher who's putting a game on for a limited time, I would think that you would want it to be longer so that there's still more that the person would want to play once it comes off of Game Pass. Oh, that's interesting. I think from maybe Microsoft's perspective is they just want to build out that catalog. They want to be able to tweet out, this game's now in Game Pass, check it out, or just to have more of that wow experience when you see all the games that are in there. So the more smaller games they can pack in, you think it'd be a benefit. And I think of even their acquisition of Double Fine, it's like, I think that's one of the perks. It's like they can crank out a lot of smaller games spawned out of their Amnesia Fortnite system, stuff like that. And now with Double Fine, you just get so many little games you can put in your Game Pass. And once they're done with uh, with Psychonauts 2, if they go back to kind of splitting the studio up and releasing smaller games, I think that just pads out the numbers in a, in a you know, if you want to be clinical about it, <laughs> you know, it's more positive than that. But I think that's the benefit. I guess for Microsoft it is. I don't know that that translates to other developers and what they're going to aim for like in order to get their game on game i don't think it's hard to get your game on game pass yeah so i i which i guess maybe that would make them feel like well if i can make a five dollar gate or a five hour game and get it on there but i think most are just looking at their community and what they think their community wants and i think 
for most of them, the message is still, hey, I want I want a game that if I get into, I can play for a really long time. Right, right. Um, okay, Justin Ray writes in on Patreon and says, according to the Super Smash Brothers wiki, which of these Smash Brothers ultimate characters weigh more? I don't know what this unit of measurement is, but let's go right back to the well here, Anna. Cloud or Sephiroth? Who weighs more in Smash Brothers Ultimate? Oh, Cloud. Sephiroth. It's unclear if they're holding the sword. Do you think when they jump oh. on the Smash Brothers scale, if they're holding the sword? Oh. I think it would be that they're holding the sword. So at first I was going to say Cloud, but I feel like Sephiroth is like he's weirdly so big. Like he's, yeah. a, he's, a, he's a big, boofy boy. So yeah, um, that's... <laughs> You know, so that padding's got to add uh, something to it, too. I don't know so, yeah. what you two are thinking. Clearly, it's Cloud. He weighs in at 100, whereas Sephiroth weighs in at 79. Just plain 100. I don't know. He what weighs in is. at what, 9? 79? Stones. Okay, Big that, stones. That is, that's surprising, though, because, and I'll, I'll share this with the community, but there's, like, this video that just really slows down on the height difference between Sephiroth and Cloud <laughs> in the remake. And, like... Cloud is a tall character, but Sephiroth is like NBA player <laughs> level tall. Maybe it's like the muscle map. Maybe like Cloud's muscle, because Cloud's yeah. really like muscular. Yeah. So you have to imagine that yeah. Sephiroth is also muscular, but you just can't see it because he wears different kinds of clothing. Well, yeah. Meanwhile, Cloud is literally like, I bought this tank top one size smaller so I could be all, <laughs> you know, shiny and muscular. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. But he's got like really like, like Cloud's body is like how I used to draw anime characters when I was in middle school. Like he's got that very defined muscle shape. So maybe that's what's adding in the weight. He's Could be. small. Yeah. Okay. What about this? Bowser or Donkey Kong? Bowser. Correct. It better be Bowser. It's okay. Bowser at 135, Donkey Kong at 127. Um, I'm going to go with kilograms for weight. Okay. Let's go with <laughs> kilograms. Yeah. <laughs> um, oof. This is tough. Anna, is it Peach or Zelda? Who's, weigh, sure, Zelda? who's weighing more? Um, Peach, Peach, Peach. Good call. Comes in at eighty nine, where Zelda is eighty five. As everybody I think knows, this is the first podcast game that I've been actually good. At. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> I'm really relishing this feeling right now. Peach weigh more than Sephiroth. Of course, Peach weighs more than Sephiroth. I don't understand why you're confused about this. <laughs> it's clearly canon in Smash. Um, now I want to know how much Kirby weighs. Anyways, uh, Jordan Blaney submits a comment or question on Patreon and says, what is the oldest piece of technology you still actively use? I still listen to podcasts on an iPod Touch I bought in 2011 and it works great. That's amazing. This is tough. Oldest piece of technology you actively use. The GameCube. Ooh. I'm still playing uh, Melee on there pretty regularly. So I have something in my ad, so I'm like winking profusely like <laughs> GameCube, right? Um, yeah, I think that'd be it in terms of like physical tech. Uh, it's funny, I, like I was prepping for this and I brought this up to my boyfriend. He mentioned email because email's really old. I don't think that's what they meant by the question. Uh, he's like a pen. I'm like, I'm not gonna, we're done with the conversation. Good night. Um, it's 9 a.m., but good night. Hang on, get yeah, your boyfriend on the, the podcast. He like, seems to really be tailor-made for this question. He's got it. I have a lot of... Um, old tech just from a gaming perspective like i literally got a vita this christmas because i don't know what year this is but i'm excited (laughs) about it um but i think in terms of retro stuff i actually use because i do have an n64 handy uh to replay pokemon snap in preparation for the game that isn't coming out this year Uh Uh (laughs) Um, but yeah i think the gamecube gets the most regular loose use of my retro stuff yeah oh that's smart yeah probably ps2 on Mm. this end for retro stuff 
trying to remember. I guess we just streamed some old DVDs and stuff from a PS2 a while ago. So probably that. But actively, I don't know if I'm actively using a PlayStation 2. But anybody else have a good answer for this one? I have uh, a, a 2000 in like 12 Roku that I use to stream nice. okay. on my TV. That's good. Yeah. I was going to say, I think my receiver has to be probably mm. older mm. than 20 years at this point. Like, it was made way before HDMI, which is which is actually a problem because I was thinking about, you know, like when I upgrade to PS5, they no longer have a digital audio right. port on it. And so I don't know what I'm, what kind of trickery i'm gonna to have to get up to in order to get that running through my speakers but yeah have fun um donnie asks do you all have any gaming goals for the year maybe trying a genre you've avoided more of one you've only dabbled in or something else my goal is to try smaller games to broaden my horizons as well as finish one playthrough of dark souls 3 i started back in 2019 those <laughs> bosses are mean says donnie <laughs> that's what i hear uh, yeah. Mine's always to beat more games than I beat the year before. Um, mm. I only started keeping track of this, now, so I don't really know what my old school childhood numbers are. But last year I beat 28 games. That's so, really good. That's, um, how do going you, for 29. How do you factor that in? Um, for like living games, there's a lot of stuff where it's like, well, I didn't see credits, but I'm done-ish. Yeah, um, usually it requires a credits roll for me. Um, I think there have been a few exceptions. Like I beat Mutant Muds, I think that was this year. And when you beat all the main worlds, credits don't roll, which was very unsatisfying because yeah. it was a very hard game. Play Mutant Muds if you're into platformers, it's, it's pretty fun. Um, but for the most part, that ends up being like fairly simple to deduce. Uh, it needs to have a campaign as well. Um, I think occasionally I'll make an exception if it seems like it's warranted. But like a game like Dreams has a campaign, so I counted that as completed when the campaign was done, even though you could theoretically play forever. Animal Crossing, same deal. Credits do roll. Spoilers. Like when you finish your things, something happens. In case you don't know it yet. But yeah, that's basically how I how I factor that all in. Uh, but yeah, uh, twenty eight games of very different lengths. Some of them really short, like uh, you know, a short hike or Astro's Playroom. Some of them really long, like Final Fantasy VII Remake. So I don't really put. Any other caveats on it? It's just, uh, you know, ideally having more experiences than I did last year yeah. to completion. That's smart. I love that completion thing because I'm a sucker for tracking all the games, but I just track the ones that I start. And I think last year was like 125 or something absurd. Oh, yeah, but man. Like, Those Nintendo stats come in and I'm like, I launched so much random software that I bought. Like I, I hit that low to high on the eShop on the regular and just buy <laughs> stuff that looks interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah it doesn't always work out, but yeah. Mm. Anybody else have a gaming goal? Um, I'm just trying to like, I made a list of sort of, um, kind of like classic titles, stuff that I felt, you know, was important for me to play and sort of be, you know, like no moving forward mm-hmm. as I grow as like a games journalist and whatnot. And so I'm just trying to make my way through that as much as possible. And like, I'm, I've, I'm starting out strong, actually, like, I'm actually just trying to build playing games like more into my normal routine. Like usually I kind of like binge play them in like kind of an unhealthy way. And so I'm trying to be more uh, measured about it. Um, But like, I'm so excited because on that list and my next game, because I just beat near for the second time is um, Shadow of the Colossus, which I've never played. And I'm just like, I'm like beyond like, I feel spoiled because I get to, play all these incredible games that like i just missed you know because i 
was, you know, didn't have the time in college or whatever. So that's really absurd. I mean, Final Fantasy VII and Shadow of the Colossus are my two favorite games of all time. So you are, you yeah. are reliving my life for me, Anna. Thank you for that. Yeah, yeah. And I just, my brain is going to be broken because of it. Because <laughs> I, I'm honestly struggling to play like other games because the games that I've been playing are so incredible. That makes no sense. Um, but no, I totally get that. That's such a cool project. And I, I kind of work on that as well. Like, I'd love to, you know, maybe off the air, see what your list is of those. Yeah. I sort of look at like all the, you know, IGN has the top 100 games list. I was sort of basing it off that first. I'm going to pull in other um, mm-hmm. lists out that are on the internet as well. Because like my goal is to make my own like top 100 games based on having played a lot of those old ones. Like I literally played Minecraft for the first time last year. And I was like, man, this thing hits. Like, <laughs> <It's awesome. laughs> I'm like, no, we're not kidding. Versus SimCity 2000, modern era. Nope, nope, it doesn't work. I don't understand. <laughs> I don't understand and I don't like it. Mm-hmm. And I, it, was a, it was a long four hours of looking at a game facts guide to try to deduce what the hell I was staring oh, at no. to build this town. But um, that is such a cool, pr- yeah, I love to hear other people doing that. And I do it for the same exact reason, like just trying to build up the knowledge space because it, mm-hmm. it totally changes your perspective. Uh, speaking of old games, I was meaning to play. Jeff, um, have you ever played Mule, that game? No. Um, I, do you all know Mule? Know about it, it what is, is it? What is this? Insane box art. Yes, it is. It has mm-hmm. insane box art of a robot mule. It's mule, but it's like it's an acronym. So M-U-L-E, but it's an old PC game that I think they ported to NES. Um, but it's like a weird sim i guess uh it's always been fascinating to me as just a weird freaky early example that i think a lot of people really captured by i think like bull wright is a big fan of it um but i still am confused about what exactly you're doing you're like building up a colony on the moon it's just bizarre but if the art looks wild yeah at some point i want to go back jeff i'm and stream a playthrough of mule Okay, on that note of like weird games too that I feel like I'm going to move towards to after I play Shadow Colossus is I really want to play like the 90s era LucasArts game. So like The Secret of Monkey Island and Grim Fandango, Fandango, Fandango. (laughs) Fandango, yeah. (laughs) Um, Because like those for the longest time, I've just like seen them. Um, and they look really cool and interesting and honestly really different than the games we're seeing today. Mm-hmm. And so like really want to go back and play. That. I, am totally I only ever you. played secret of monkey Island two, And I grew up thinking that I played the first one. And when people would talk about it, they're like, it's such an amazing game. And I'm like, really? I don't really remember it being that good. And then I realized <laughs> I had played the sequel and like, that's the kind of stuff that only happens as a kid, like accidentally yeah. playing dark cloud yeah. and then realizing people loved it, but I couldn't get out of the first area. So I just stopped playing because I was literally <laughs> like seven years old yeah. and didn't have any insights into like the discourse of the era. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like I kind of miss that too. Like I, I really try to like look for random stuff because I, I miss mm-hmm. that era of like not knowing about games as much and just picking something up and like finding mm-hmm. something you really connect mm-hmm. with. Like I try to recapture that so often, but it's like increasingly difficult with, you know, being in the know, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, by the way, Jawar, uh, hello in the backstage pass. He looked it up and currently according to the smash wiki, Kirby weighs the exact same as Sephiroth. Yes, yes. Unclear if that's because Kirby swallowed Sephiroth. I don't know exactly how it works. Okay, I just, I'm sorry. The brain, again, just like being ridiculous on this show. But um, I've spent a lot of time thinking about, okay, is Sephiroth canonically like the strongest Smash character now? Because I think Mm -mm. Kirby was before, wasn't he? I think uh, Palutena would have to take it, right? Wait, really? I, I don't, she's like a goddess. 
angel All right, or whatever. Well, well, listeners, if you have any insight as to who is canonically, because that's why Kirby escapes in the beginning. Yeah, I, the, th- I mean, that's just a little saccharide nod, but I feel like we've had this question before in the podcast. Kirby I'm, sorry, I'm sorry. If you can eat a god, he's literally the god eater, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, that's why. I think Kirby's still the strongest. Okay. So is Kirby like Thank super you, dense? Is it like you, picking Janet. up a big bag of rocks? You're welcome. I got yeah. your back. I think, um, I think there's a black hole inside of Ooh, her. and that's what's sucking him in, is it's just like mm-hmm. this vortex. When he opens his mouth, he's not sucking in. It's just he mm-hmm. opens access to the black hole, mm-hmm. which... So it's like the, sub, so it's the subspace bag, but if it was your stomach, is that what the situation... Yeah, I think so. Is? I think so. We, hey, we uh, most importantly, Grizzled Gaming asks, uh, what's the best vegetable? Onion. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, good. I was going to give Hanson a ton of crap because get this. Hanson hates onions. And and it's like, yes, we're working with a child who never learned to actually. (laughs) Onions have the most clout in pop culture because of Shrek. So there's that too. Mm -hmm. Because of that line from Shrek? What do you mean that line? It was a whole, yeah, that was like, that was one of the. <laughs> You're talking about it like it was a freaking speech from JFK. It was just like a one off onion <laughs> joke in Shrek. Well, sure, but like when you look at how compact that movie is, like no line mm. is spared, right? Like yeah, that's that really don't let carefully written out. Don't let Ben's anti-onion hate get. Don't <laughs> let him yuck your yum, as they mm. say. Also, the onion was the carriage at the end. No spoilers. Oh, you watch track, but, um, <laughs> spoilers for Shrek the movie. For anyone <laughs> I know none of y'all out here have uh, you know been on the up and up. Too busy playing Final Fantasy VII original <laughs> to watch Shrek. Um, <laughs> But yeah, onion. It goes on stuff. It's helped to season stuff. I think. I think too, Ben. Even if you don't like onion, yeah. onions probably secretly in some of the foods you're eating. I know. Like at restaurants and I things. hate it. It's yeah, the foundation so. of so much cooking. Well, what about yeah. this? Grizzled Gaming submits garlic. And garlic. Garlic was my second choice gar- when I was looking this great. up. Yep. Also, I'm gonna make a confession right yeah. now because I was looking at the questions to try to like prepare. Um, and I literally Googled vegetable tier list to try to remind myself <laughs> what the good vegetables are. <laughs> like that is in my search history and it's so embarrassing. And uh, and garlic came up and I yeah. garlic, same thing. Seasoning. So many I was like looking up recipes for this week and everything required garlic. I just bought two of them, even though I only need like four cloves, because I'll just I don't know. I'm wasteful. At that but point, yes. at that point, they're just spices. They're just keep onion and garlic in the spice realm just no. a little bit'll do it. Ben, ben, no. A vegetable garlic needs- powder is a whole no. different game than garlic. Well, when you, I guess when that's it says true. garlic clove, fry you gotta- a spice yeah. and make it into a delicious ring that you share with friends. <laughs> Mm. You can't even think of onion rings. Yes. What about it's the only vegetable that can turn into a bar food? That's amazing. The 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 versatility is just a freaking potato. (laughs) Versatile of foods. Potato is up there. I think potato is up there. I think potato is good. I mean, sweet potato. I think is top in potato though. I mean, sweet potato might be top of my tier. Sweet no. potato is underrated. You can do a lot with sweet potato. That's right. You can make like sweet potato buns and they're like delicious mm-hmm. and they're Whole30 compliant because I had to do that diet last year and it sucked. Um, there we yes. go. And, and you can just eat a sweet potato by itself. Mm-hmm. Doesn't eat anything. It's That's delicious. right. That's right. Yeah. But yeah. it's still not beating onion. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. Or garlic. Oof. We all know potato is barely a vegetable. It's like, okay. It's like. It's like it's like if I say you like like yeah it's just, no it it's barely there like we don't think of it like when you have to eat your vegetables you don't think of potato. Uh, can I share a really funny garlic story? Yes, uh, it's really on, quick. I on, promise. We'll I know it, we're dragging on. Does the backstage pass crew want to hear it? They say yeah. yes. Yes. Okay. So 
I used to work as a server at this like high end organic restaurant and we got like all these really like granola crunchy like you know um customers in and um I have one regular customer who like we like we knew each other and she would always ask me because she had this weird order she would always ask for a shot of garlic. So I would have to go and I had like a special way of prepping her like a shot of garlic and she would take the garlic like a shot. Um, And she's like, yeah, I just like, I just like need that extra boost today. I was like, okay. (laughs) Just desperate for attention. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Up with all these games. Like (laughs) Uh, Thomas Dernick asks, he says, I have a simple question. What the hell is the amazing waffle mix that Jeffen was given for Christmas? The people need to know. Several people wrote in frustrated that you didn't explain what the amazing waffle mix was that you're using every day. Uh, uh, I think the brand, I want to say it's Krusty's with a Z at the end. <laughs> if you didn't want to share, you could have just said no. You don't have to <laughs> yeah. make stuff up. <laughs> it, I mean, it, it's. I don't think it's actually that that's special or different from normal. So it's just vanilla standard crusty's waffle mix. I think so. Okay, there it is. Run, don't walk to your store everybody. It's it's really it's it's just the I think it's just the magic of having a new waffle maker and right. making, you know, fresh waffles yes. all the time now. Oh my god. Uh Joe Holaska submits a question. He says, "Hey CLCs, while cleaning out my basement, I found a box of books I had in grade school. One of them was the 1999 Guinness Book of World Records, published on May 11, 1999, which had several pages of video game records that would have been accurate as of probably the very end of 1998 or early 1999. Just for fun, I was curious to see if you all can guess the record holders from back then. Okay. People? (laughs) Well, what do you think? Yes, Billy Mitchell takes them all. Okay, so here's the questions. (laughs) The fastest selling game, according to the 1999 Guinness Book of World Records. Don't you love it when we let you finish the question? (laughs) (laughs) Whatever, it's fine. It it shipped 3 million units from November 1997 through the end of 1998. Now, anybody could answer this, but Anna, I think you might be interested in Final Fantasy. Final Fantasy VII, way to go! All right, according to the 1999 Guinness World Records, the most advanced 3D animation goes to this game, which, honestly, if you all were just guessing games, this would be a six-hour podcast before you get to this one. But I'd like to hear what you think. The most advanced 3D animation as of 1999's Guinness World Records. This is like the first PlayStation era? Is 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 it like a Virtua Fighter? Interesting. No, no, that's a little too old. Um, on a Spyro, no. It's it's newer yeah, than Spyro, but still in the original PlayStation. They remade it maybe in 2019 to basically zero fanfare. Oh, uh, is some with skeletons in it? Oh, right? Janet! What's the name of that game? Medieval, medieval, everybody. Yes, I remember. I remember that. Like my guide's brain is like you had someone (laughs) on that, and it did not that much traffic. (laughs) Yes, and I like that original game. How is most impressive visuals a Guinness World Record? Most advanced 3D animation. Look, this is all just weird marketing bucks. There's the whole dark backside of this thing. 
Guinness is actually like the first games media outlet. That was their goatees. <laughs> you know? Mm, that's that's true. how they awarded games back then. Let's see the Guinness Book of World Records. All right, most players at one time in a game on the internet. <laughs> mm, I wonder how many online them. support. <laughs> so uh, they have a note here. Uh, curiously, they don't. They just vaguely refer to thousands of players who overloaded the servers at or around launch, but don't actually give a player count. Seems like Guinness should have given the player count. There was a lot of them. Uh, uh, is that just like a in Ultima? Jeff, Ultima Online, way to go, dude! That's amazing. It's the only online game I could <laughs> I could name. That's from amazing. That era. Okay, this is a terrible category. Biggest computer game cult. Based. <laughs> this is based on thousands of players who are still blasting each other over the internet. What the hell? Mm. The book also Quake. Quake Jeffum. Nice. Wow. You, you gotta you gotta You're lock into it. the 1999 mindset. That's amazing. Okay. I wonder why I can't lock into it. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was five years old. Yeah, I was like, oh, I Lord. Not. <laughs> I'm like, oh yeah, like all these memories coming back. It's crazy. Yeah. Memories of Jeffum's first marriage flooding back. Um <laughs> all right, Jeffum. Uh if you're so zoned in, what is the most anticipated game according to this nineteen ninety nine Guinness Book of World Records? Oh, what the hell? But it, there's a note that this refers to an already released game as of the publication. That's so confusing. So the most anticipated game that's already out. But barely. Is that Final Fantasy VII? No. Um, there is a poster for this game in the actual MinMax studio that nobody has seen yet, except for folks at the Backstage Pass. Oh, that's super helpful. Um, let's see. It is... A game for the Nintendo 64. Do you like it? Do you like this game? I like this game. I'm sure. No, I'm just kidding. There's there's people that love this game that some say it's better than Super Mario Kart 64, which seems outrageous. Oh, Donkey Kong Racing? Diddy Kong Racing? Diddy Kong Racing is the most anticipated game. I gave it to Donkey, but it's really Diddy. My bad. (laughs) Happens all the time. Also, I think those people need to replay it in the modern era because it's like going through molasses driving through that sand. Yeah. It's not good. Even the hovercraft. I was like, it's so versatile. No, it's it's slow. It's the slowest kart race will you ever play. No. So slow. Uh, all right, last one. The biggest cyber star. Who's the biggest cyber star? Based on the fact that this character was named one of the 50 most influential people in the computer industry by Time Digital Magazine. What? But it's not a real person. Laura Croft. Laura Croft. There you go, Anna. Number one cyber star. Thank you. It's just when I was five, someone told me it was Laura. So I haven't changed the pronunciation since. I I got it drilled into my head from like visiting Crystal Dynamics and doing the cover story stuff Mm. for for Mm. Rise of the Tomb Raider, I guess it was. I was just, okay, I know the community is going to yell at me if I pronounce this wrong on the podcast. So it's Laura, Laura. Got it. Um, What do y'all like for question of the week? There's a lot of good stuff this week. Ice vegetable. I liked. (laughs) That one was really good. That's that might be it. The biggest conversation starter was games we refused to play. I was surprised Mm. that that went on for such a long period of time. The other one that comes to the the Smash Weight was good. Smash Weight. Yeah, Janet, you're our guest. Uh, Yeah, you get to pick. You get to pick. What do you think? There's hang on. Let me run through it. There's the 
uh, Final <laughs> Fantasy VII one, of course. Uh, Smash weight, piece of technology you still use. Gaming goals, uh, best vegetable, Guinness. What stands out? I'm going to go smash weight. Smash weight. Congratulations nice. to, of course, who can forget Justin Ray for submitting that on Patreon. Uh, I am 8-Bit. We'll ship you out uh, a wonderful prize. And as we all remember, it is the What the Golf vinyl soundtrack. So congratulations. Uh, now it's time for something we like to call Get a Load of This. Jeff, do you want to kick this off? Yeah, uh, Get a Load of This. This was... Uh, a new new announcement from a company called OpenAI, which is currently building the artificial intelligence that's going to destroy all of humanity. Cool. Um, but they're new. They've been releasing a bunch of different like weird niche product projects with it, and this one was called Dolly, which is a mix of Wally and Salvador Dolly. Oh no! And basically, it is a text to image engine where you type in the thing that you want to see a picture of and then it just creates the pictures out of nothing using its magical powers that's horrifying and and so like they they show a bunch of the like actual examples that they have one is an armchair in the shape of an avocado and it's photographs of what look like actual chairs and you know couches that are shaped like an avocado and another one is an illustration of a baby daikon radish in a tutu walking a dog. And it comes up with what look like actual illustrations that someone has drawn of these things. That is so and, insane. And part part of it is that it's it's kind of like a a double technology where it's the dolly part of the program is making all these pictures, but it's it's doing like 2000 variations. And then they have another part of this open AI called Clip, which actually somehow goes through and ranks what are the best ones, which it has also learned through machine learning to figure out how to rank them well. And so then it will give you like the five best pictures. Uh, and so we'll add the link and you can go through and you can actually see and you can kind of edit some of them and like switch in if you want it to be a turtle instead of a radish or whatever. Wait, and you like, can actually type in your own thing? You, you can't type in your own custom ones completely, but they'll give you like different different parameters. So you can change like instead of a, a radish walking a dog, it's a carrot watching TV or something like that. See, and I saw this and I assumed it was fake because they wouldn't let you type in your own. I'm like if this tech exists, why not open it up? It's apparently not. And, it, and huh. they've, they have they have had a bunch of different projects like this that they've that it's all been. I mean, this was like an Elon Musk founded company that's you know it's going to destroy the world at some point but right now it's pretty cool oh great so. uh, pretty that, that, that sweet spot you know mm-hmm. right before yeah. the robots take over that's, that's right uh janet do you have one yeah um just the fact that sea shanties are blowing up on tiktok i just yeah. wanted to, you know was that yeah. yours <laughs> what? no no okay. no but that's very good <laughs> because this i'm glad because you have officially opened up the door to sea shanty discourse on the yes. max show <laughs> absolutely um i this hasn't hit my for you page yet but i, I saw it like through twitter and then i kind of googled some articles on it um it's just another weird like tiktok being tiktok like there's a lot of um interesting and goofy and creative and also important stuff that happens on tiktok like i know a lot of people if you're on outside that community you might think it's just a bunch of dances and like some girl named charlie but there's yeah. like it honestly it does end up being curated towards 
what stuff you're interested in. And a lot of people do goofy things and collabs. Um, so Sea Shanties is the latest one. And it does remind me of like that Ratatouille, the musical energy mm-hmm. where so many people have like <laughs> pitched their things for this like thing that doesn't exist, but exists in like the headcanon of TikTok. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, just another weird thing. Someone already did Smash Mouth, obviously. Again, mm-hmm. it all comes back to Shrek. Yep. So naturally, that's, <laughs> that's awesome. Um, Anna, the one you were so excited to share? Get a load of this. I was going to share the Katy Perry Pokemon collab. Um, <laughs> and I'm going to stick to that, even though we talked about it already. Because okay. I want to I want to read this um, headline from a Jezebel article um, that was on, you know, it was breaking down the announcement. Um, and the headline is, quote, Rita Ora is still dead in the Pokemon universe, comma, judging by this Katy Perry song. Um, I have no clue. Rita Ora, for context, is like a B-list, like, British celebrity who, like, means kind of like nothing to a lot of people. And so um, the fact that, like, Rita Ora, Pokemon, and Katy Perry are one in one single <laughs> headline was, like, jaw-dropping to me. Um But basically, like, to give listeners more information on this, like, it's a, quote, massive year-long music campaign with uh, Pokemon and Katy Perry. So I imagine we're going to be getting the bangers all year. So, Ben, maybe maybe your uh, your dreams will come true. I hope. This is my one chance to make it big through Katy Perry's success. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. Hey, get a load of this. Uh, Duncan Jones, the director of the Warcraft film, but more importantly, uh, Moon is probably his best film. Uh, Also, David Bowie's son, which is fun. Um, he just tweeted out a couple days ago. He said, I enjoy writing. I also hate writing. Sometimes when I can't squeeze out the thing I want to write, I write something else. This has happened a lot during COVID. Sometimes I just browse the web or tweet. And one day I saw Tim Schafer post a link to this full throttle animation where somebody had animated a scene from full throttle. And Duncan Jones says, it blew my mind. I loved that game. I mean, really loved that game. So the next time I had one of those freezes, I started writing this, a complete fan script for the LucasArts classic Full Throttle. And then he just tweeted out an entire script for a film version of Full Throttle, which nice. is unbelievable. Speaking of old LucasArts stuff, Anna, like I've been, yeah. this is on my backlog. I've been meaning to play Full Throttle for so long. And so it's so fun for duncan jones to celebrate that game in a way because i guess what do you have to lose like no studios well i guess disney owns full throttle now but they're not going to make a film version so why not just tweet it out for the world to enjoy this weird fan script maybe for or maybe they'll make it now they have mm-hmm. the script like <laughs> ratatouille the musical that's pick, right all the people are going to collectively come together and you have to do a table it. reading of that script I think we should like for extra life or something like that'd be super. That fun. would be really fun, actually. Yeah, so. I'll write it down. Um, Jeff, do you have one from the community from the Discord? Yeah, get a load of this. Uh, Janet nailed it. It's it was that flow state of Fernwa uh, linked to a Vulture article about why everyone is singing sea shanties now <laughs> on TikTok. And it, the doors open. The, the quote that he pulled out from the because it was kind of talking about why it's become so popular. And the quote that he pulled out that was really interesting was, we're all stuck staring at tiny screens in our own tiny individual boxes, desperately wanting to sing loudly into a stranger's face while knowing that singing loudly into a stranger's face is incredibly dangerous right now. And it, it really breaks down like the entire phenomenon and, you know, has some, has some uh, example videos and stuff, which are really fun. Oh, so. Perfect. Check um, that out. How about I send you another one, Jeff, um, and you can say it's from the community, because and you can tell me if it's interesting or if uh, I'm just out of my mind. Okay, I'm sending it why to you. Why don't you just Why don't you just tell us right now? 
Okay, fine. Ian Bogost. <laughs> Bogost? Um, game Bogost. developer. Yeah. But what's that? I'm joking. I, I I was trying to make a joke where you pronounce it Bogost. Bogost. Um, Boo yeah. Ghost. Um, he just tweeted out one of those sentences that's like, yeah, whatever. And then I can't stop thinking about it where he just tweeted out, video game stairs are just ramps. And it, like a lot of people retweeted and it really made me think of like, yeah, it is that weird reminder of the state of current video game technology is stairs have never really existed in games. It's all just an illusion. It's all just a ramp. But correct me if I'm wrong. Correct me if there is an actual staircase in any game. I saw some re- people replying being like, hello, Qbert says hi. That's the stair game. But outside of that, actually putting a foot on a stair specifically, pretty unheard of. Anyways, that's it for that one. Um, Janet, <laughs> would you like to plug your Patreon and podcast and everything else into the sun? Yeah, sure. So I have my Patreon. It's patreon.com backslash Game Monsters. That's Game O-N-Y-S-U-S. I also have my podcast. It's a weekly news roundup. Um, it's just me right now. And it's like a 20 to 30 minute quick hit of the biggest news stories. That's Game Monsters Weekly. It's currently on Spotify, Apple, and Google Plays in the works. Like the RSS feed is floating in the ether. <laughs> Of those virtual offices, which yeah. sounds scary, but that should be there. Uh, I'll be tweeting that out. Uh, the podcast is also on YouTube, which YouTube channel is also Game On Says. It's pretty much where you can find me everywhere all the time. Uh, I stream on Twitch. Again, same handle. Uh, currently, my streams are Tuesdays. We do uh, Black Lives Matter fundraising with different orgs and playing uh, indie games from the itch.io bundle for racial justice and equality. So my goal is to do that until I play all the games, which would take 30 years. We're on year two. <laughs> Let's go. Um, a lot of Animal Crossing. And then uh, Best of 2021 Watch happens uh, Fridays, 3 to 7 PT, where I play whatever's hot, whatever's coming up next. That could be a best of. Could be Game of the Year. Could be Best Story of the Year. Uh, we're kind of going to sift through that. So if you don't got time to play games, watch me play the games, figure out what you like, and then boom, time saved. Perfect. Awesome. And the links are below for everybody if you're curious. Um, also, on Minimax's end, we have The Deepest Dive on Cyberpunk 2077. We're going to be rounding it off for the grand finale for the discussion next week. So if you want to submit a comment about Act 3 of that game or anything that we've missed in our discussion, you can submit it over on Patreon on Monday, and then we'll read it for next week's discussion. Also, uh, this Friday, we have an episode of our music podcast, Crossfade, going live, and Serial Vasquez is the guest, and it's all about uh, MF Doom. Uh, talking about his career um, a little bit in that same vein as the Van Halen special that we had a while ago. So a deep dive into MF Doom. So if you're curious, if you're a fan, anything on the sun, you can subscribe to Crossfade, our music podcast. And it's a standalone podcast wherever you get your favorite podcast. So check it out. Um, also, thanks to the following Patreon supporters for the generous support of MinMax, the $50 tier. I'm talking about Chris, Beaten Down Brian, I Am 8-Bit, PrettyGoodPrinting.com, Juar Hello, Mirko Arico Toreno, Zachary Pliggy, Mark Seliga, Bucket of Jello, Andrew Valla, Ludwig Roque, Jesse Vitelli, Super Serious Sam, Thomas Hoster, Yarrow, Spiral in Your Eyes, Clint Farley, Richard Smuts, Clayton Myers, Spider Dan, Prethum, Yarla, Gata, Starkiller, Zach Eink, Slick Nick, Steve Bamdad. Thank you so much, everybody. Janet, thank you for joining us. You've been great. And everybody else, be good, have fun, let's go! Yeah.